You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and I want to say Merry Christmas. Uh, Hanukkah ended Monday, so uh, but still, I hope uh, everyone had a happy Hanukkah and happy holidays to all. This is our big special Christmas episode of the Needless Things podcast. We're doing it a week early because next week's episode will be Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, where we are doing a very special live gathering in the Phantom Zone of Needless Things irregulars and special guests. Which is what this week's episode consisted of as well. We're talking about Christmas movies. And after the WWE TLC pay-per-view, a few people stuck around for a couple hours and we talked about our favorite Christmas movies. And and as happens with podcasts, uh, we just scratched the surface. Because you just never cover everything you want to cover uh, for, for hours and the next day after we were kind of messaging each other with, oh man, we forgot this, we forgot this, but you know, that's, that's how it goes. Uh, it's all about sparking thought and conversation and we had a great conversation and hopefully you guys listening to it will, uh, you know, it'll, the same thing will happen for you. Uh, we'll remind you of some old favorites, we'll make you think of things maybe you hadn't thought of in years and hopefully just help everyone to have happy holidays uh, all, the, all the way through the new year. So, what I'm going to talk about on our little introductory pre-show segment here are some things that are happening this weekend. So if you're listening to this thing when it goes up, that's great. Uh, if it's in the past, then you can just know that on the following episode, I'll probably actually know it'll be two episodes because I don't know that I'll do an intro for The Force Awakens because that's probably going to be a long one. We may just drive right into it. We'll see what happens. But Saturday night is a big, big, big night for me, and it kind of happened a little bit out of nowhere. I will be returning to Porterdale, Georgia, and ring announcing for PCW's final show of 2015. Now, I am not advertising this because I don't know exactly what all is going on. It all, it, 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 pardon me. I'm a little dry here. Let me take a sip, a swig of water for the working man, as Stone Cold Steve Austin says on his podcast, which I have recently become a, a much bigger fan of than I was. Uh, so speaking of, of wrestling, this will be my final show with PCW for the foreseeable future because my day job, uh, the job that pays the bills, has once again interfered with the things I enjoy doing. Next year, my schedule shifts, and I will be working PCW weekends. So, I mean, I, I, 
I won't even be able to see PCW for who knows how long, let alone get in the ring and announce the guys. So that that is that. If you can make it out, please do, because it'll be the last time you can see me there for for the foreseeable future. And I will say this, they have a replacement lined up, and I'm not going to say anything yet, but you will be happy. The PCW fans will be happy. You'll see. After the PCW show, I will be immediately leaving and racing uh, at the speed limit safely, safety first kids, to the Village Theater to host Dirty Games at the Puckin' Fuppet Show, which I put over last week here on the podcast. This kind of just happened, as these things sometime do. Uh, obviously, uh, Mr. Bo Brown is a very close friend of mine. He is the spiritual co-host of the Needless Things podcast, and we were kind of talking earlier this week, and he said, hey, man, do you want to host the the games for the holiday puck and puppet show and i said well it's what i do so yes i would love to host the game so i'm going straight down there after pcw uh the holiday puck and puppet show begins at 10:30 p.m it's at the village theater uh in atlanta georgia and it's going to be awesome if you have been to the Puppet Slam at Dragon Con. It's like that, but holiday-themed. And here's here's a little blurb. Here's the blurb. The Puck and Puppet Show is home for the holidays, and it is open season on holiday cheer. Join us for a variety show of holiday-themed adult puppet shows, candy thrown at your face, and audience participation games for many merry prizes. So, those audience participation games, that's what I'm going to be doing. The audience games to include the Baby Jesus Manger Toss, the Guide My Sleigh Tonight, which I don't know what that means, but I'm anxious to find out, an eggnog funneling contest, which sounds like a tremendously bad idea, and the Candy Cane Deep Throat Contest, which, if I was not hosting, I dare say I would win. You don't want to know why I know that. Uh, but it has nothing to do with genitals. So, there you go. The Puck and Puppet Show is Atlanta's premier competitive puppet slam with cash prizes for first, second, and third place as voted for by the audience. So, what's going to happen here is you have puppeteers and performers from all over the country are coming to put on holiday-themed puppet shows, and the audience is going to vote on which ones are the best. So these performers are actually going to get cash prizes uh, for being the best, which I think is great. And, of course, there are prizes uh, for the audience participation games as well. And there is going to be a little something special from the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show show, because obviously I'm there, I'm going to be promoting my thing it's not going to be overbearing it's not like i'm going to walk out there and and you know make people say that every time because that would get tedious uh but there will be a little something special so there will be dirty con game show event that you will only be able to see if you are at the puppet slam or if you are on the uh, Facebook page, because I'm sure I'll post the video of it there afterward. Uh, and it is, it's going to be just me flying solo. Uh, Miss Lady Flex is otherwise occupied that weekend. And Sexy Wolverine, who 
has yet to uh, utilize another identity is booked that night with her other excellent performing gig. So it's just going to be me. Hopefully I'll be okay flying solo, which I have actually done for most of my career anyway. So it's going to be a great time. If you can get out Saturday night, get out. Get out to Porterdale, get out to Atlanta, do something, have some holiday fun. Because as I am so fond of saying, if your holidays are not fun, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Speaking of fun, and speaking of Miss Lady Flex, this week's song is a very special wintry tune from dear friends of the show, Les Sexoflex. Uh, this song premiered a few years ago. I was sitting and listening to a local Atlanta college station for the premiere, and I had to suffer through about 45 minutes of terrible dance music to get to this song. But you guys have only had to suffer through nine minutes of me talking to get to this song. So consider yourselves much luckier than me of Christmas past. This is She Cold from Lasexoflex, which you can get from Lasexoflex.com. Go check it out. It is from their last album, The Naughty Contest. Here is She Cold. S-H-E-C-O-L-D She cold, she froze, awake She cold, she frosty, she white Nipples sticking out like flashlights There's a tundra land in my underland Walking in a winter wonderland You'll not comprehend, let's be more than friends Got VIP tickets to Thunderland Oh, I better bring a jacket, so climactic Throw me some words that rhyme with jacket Jacket she cold, she froze, don't mean you gotta keep on your clothes She frosty, she white, palm trees and a beach, yeah right Got goose down, papaga, baby it's cold outside I know what you're thinking, back to the sea lodge, your ass is clinking Roads, eyes and ogres, set the wonder my snow globe Shake it, shake it, shake it, cover me in the snow globe Wearing a G-string and 20 below what we're going to do is, since we are recording the Christmas episode this week, uh, because next week is Star Wars. Right. And we that's Christmas week, so that one's going to go up then, so we have to do the Christmas episode this week. So, while we are recording, without sound, uh, here, we are going to watch the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny? Okay, yeah, actually, let's start that way. <laughs> and then uh, Jason, what do you what movie do you think this is? Die Hard. Greatest Christmas movie of all time. That's yeah. your call? Sean? Emmett Otter's Jugman Christmas. Mike? Uh Gremlins. And Noel. The ref. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> is that a Vince Wow, movie? that's a that's I mean, I can't dispute that necessarily. Uh, but what's going to be interesting house party. is if this will ever start. I think it, I saw a title screen, but I have no idea what it is. So, uh, Well, you should know by now because that is the <laughs> easily recognizable Nakatomi Towers. Uh, there you go, yes. From yes. Die Hard. Uh, but, and, and, you know, in was, my own defense, I recognize the DVD case when he brought it down. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, this is a man who worked at Movie Stop for yes. many years. Let's face it, in this group, Die Hard is almost too easy. Oh, right, it is. It is. So don't to that. There was a good chance that I was looking for something else. So, as I sit down in my incredibly squeaky, creaky leather chair, uh, which listeners of the podcast have heard a couple of times before when we've been live in the Phantom Zone, but we're going to be talking about Christmas movies. This is our extra special Super Duper Christmas episode live from the Phantom Zone uh, because next week will be Star Wars The Force Awakens. So joining me tonight, fresh off of the really weird WWE TLC pay-per-view, uh, I have Mr. Jason Frazier returning once again. Uh, last time we talked to you, I believe, was the 80s Icons episode. Yes, and we're actually starting the recording at the beginning of yes. the conversation, I, as opposed to an hour in, I learned <laughs> my lesson. I learned my lesson this time. Um, and joining us, Noel, you've been on the show before, but not live. Haven't you been on? Not one of the live ones, no. But you have, you've been on one of the, the Skype deals, yes, right? Yes, I did okay. the yeah. Dusty Rhodes one. Yes, that's right. The one I did. That's right. I, I did WrestleMania with you, and yeah. So, Noel from uh, uh, DorkDroppings.com. And, of course, the lovely and talented Mr. Sean Reed, also known as Rad Ranger from the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show. That's Sean, welcome. welcome back. Hi, how are you? This is the first time you've been live. This is the first time live. Last show I was on it was, uh, uh, with Johnny Supernatural, Supernatural, yeah, Supernatural Wrestlers, yeah, right. Zodiac. Uh, stop. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And, uh, finally, uh, joining us for the second week in a row, the the my brother from another mother the always interesting and talented Mr Mike Gordon welcome back howdy and you have you done a live one before yeah I okay. was you uh, were part of the mid recording oh that's right yeah you were in the superstars of the eighties one that's Wasn't right it? that's right and I thought yeah, yeah, well, just, uh, yeah, yeah I actually thought that the Indiana Jones ones was going to be live as well and I thought well that might be kind of cool but it was a weeknight so yeah, yeah so that you showed up and stayed outside which I, I did yeah. Yeah. he was I, sitting outside I, on his phone <laughs> <laughs> it was so close to live we might as well have I don't know why that didn't occur to me um, I think this is my first opportunity to meet Howdy Mike Gordon in person I'm very excited he's impressive isn't uh, he yeah so we are we're gathered here tonight uh, primarily because of WWE pay-per-view just happened, but also because I really like getting together with people in person to do episodes, and we're going to talk about Christmas movies. And when we say Christmas movies, we're not just talking about things like Elf or Santa Claus the Movie or Ernest Saves Christmas. Uh, we're also talking about a wide range of things like, as we discussed at the top of the episode, die, is it all of four minutes ago, Die Hard. Uh, which is a seminal Christmas movie, and if it is not part of your regular Christmas viewing, you're a Looney Tune and should probably stop listening to this right now. Or keep listening, because we're going to expand your mind like we're P-Funk. Uh, so, talking about, let's start, since we're watching it now, uh, let's talk a little bit about Die Hard. I will say that... Really, it's only in recent years that I've thought of it as a Christmas movie, probably because of the internet and how much it likes to glorify certain aspects of certain things. Like, there's a tendency to pick one little aspect of a thing and think, oh, here's a little piece of a thing and I'm going to turn it into a huge meme now. Because, you know, obviously, 
Die Hard, while it takes place at Christmas time, is not really intended to be a Christmas movie, but we've adopted it as such. Uh, which is fine, because it's an incredible movie, but I didn't go into it thinking that, and I spent years not really thinking of it that way. What about you what, guys? Did what, was immediately the re- what was the release date for Die Hard? I don't know. You've got a phone. <laughs> we don't do research. Well, what, but what time of the year? Did, it, come, did it, it, came come out, out, it came out in December of it. It, so it was in December of yeah, okay, so yeah. it, so it kind of was our Christmas release. Like, they timed it right, right yeah. but it wasn't... They weren't thinking, like, someday this will be a double feature with It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. But that would be really. I think they. It, I think it could have been though. I think. <laughs> I think with just a minor change. And that's like, why you're if, here. If you would, <laughs> you just changed. If you just changed two words. If you just change, uh, yippee kaye to Merry Christmas. This is the ultimate Christmas movie. If the last line when he defeats the villain is Merry Christmas, motherfucker. Boom. Christmas class. I would just like to say how much I enjoy hearing you say motherfucker. <laughs> because we don't get that on the ESO, the, the mothership show. <laughs> well, it's true. I, I had to actually correct him. It oh. came out July 20th, 1988. Oh! oh. Summer release. Oh. That's true. Oh, Christmas in July. Christmas is true. <laughs> yeah, sure. But yeah. it is a very much a summer blockbuster type movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and Howdy's. Um, I'm just going to call you Howdy for the rest of the show. Is that all right? That's fine. Uh, Howdy's point still stands. That yes. you change that to say, Merry Christmas, motherfucker. It becomes much less fun on TBS, where they historically... <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mother Scooter. Right. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Melon Farmer. <laughs> what? Mr. Okay. Falcon. Mother, <laughs> mother. <laughs> oh, my gosh, look how much hair he has. Wow. This was David. This was David Addison. Uh, this was fresh off of that. So, so, but it's fair to say that none of us sat down and watched this for the first time and thought this will become part of our magical Christmas pantheon of movies. Uh, I might actually have thought so. Really? I was a weird kid. Well, you are. I knew when he was a kid, he was a weird kid. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass when I say. You tend to latch onto things before anybody else. You are kind of a trendsetter guy as far as, uh, like wrestling. You've always been the guy who's been on point for who's going to be big. With movies, you are the guy that picks out that one weird little thing that's going to get latched onto by, like, you do have sort of a nose for, for things like that. So I, I don't doubt that a bit. Thank you, and here's the $20 I told you. <laughs> Thank you very much. That will pay for the rest of my rum. I don't know that I originally saw this in the theater. Oh, I, I for sure didn't, because if it came I out, what did you say, 88? 88. So I was 12. Um, yeah. I didn't see my my first... So it might not have been until Christmas that I saw it. This, this will... Uh, no, back then it took about a year before they came out. Yeah, it was a long time yeah. before. It was not like home yeah. release. Three, three months, three months later, and, and then it was expensive, right? Uh, like, well, but no, no, we had no, blockbuster. No, no. block yeah. block yeah. like, yeah, if you were buying it, it was probably still sixty bucks. But oh, like, God, you could 100. go, you could go rent it at blockbuster. Yeah, I think um, it was an HBO for me, and it was probably about a year after it came yeah. out. Um, I, was, I was actually probably a TBS. Like, I didn't actually know what that line was for the longest. <laughs> Like, why did he say butter scratch? I don't understand. What's the feeling? Why is he talking so funny? <laughs> These um, words are confusing. It's like watching Friday on TBS. What a, what, a, oh. what a confounding experience that is. Hey, everybody, Smokey's back here. 
taking a smoke. <laughs> um, you got knocked the feather out. So we we all we all love Die Hard. I think it is uh, it's uh, one of the most perfect action movies of all time. Bruce Willis is absolutely lovable and aspirational in it. Uh, and as far as the Christmas theme. Yeah, we just kind of latch onto that. It's not like, you know, you sit down and feel jolly watching it. But it is that time of year. And also, another thing to consider is it's it's Christmas in L.A. So it's not even your traditional snowy, uh, fun Christmas, which granted they hit on in the second movie. Uh, but But it's... It's well, great and it's awesome and it's but fun. There's snow in this movie. It's just not precipitation. <laughs> yeah, right, right, <laughs> yeah. totally. But the Christmas theme does help the movie go along because otherwise they wouldn't be having a holiday party. Right, wouldn't be time to get the people there so that he wouldn't the, be there because he wouldn't be traveling. Right. right, he would be traveling for and you wouldn't be able to say now I have a machine yeah, gun. No, ho, ho, ho. No. Uh, so let's move on to some other uh, delightful Christmas movies now. What were oh, we talking about Christmas movies that have nothing to do with Christmas? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the whole point of this uh, episode. Uh, Noel, what was your guess? Uh, I actually said the ref because I love that movie, and apparently some people may not remember it because someone asked. I hope Sean asked. I thought it was a Vince Vaughn movie. No, it's Dennis Leary. Yeah. Dennis oh, that's Leary, right. Kevin Spacey, Judy Davis. It's a really fun little very dark comedy. very dark, but yeah. very good. Yeah, and it's I mean it's it's a Christmas movie. I mean it definitely that's that's the main driving element of everything in the movie is now, it takes place during Christmas. Again, you are kind of at the head of the pack for picking up on stuff. I had no interest in seeing the ref initially because to me Dennis Leary was the MTV. What are you gonna do? And I was like, how is this guy gonna carry a movie? This babbling Irish idiot that smokes <laughs> chain smokes on MTV. Who gave him a movie? Uh, but eventually I did see it and I was like, oh, holy shit, he's actually uh, fairly engaging. He, he does a good job with the movie and it is very much dependent upon being a Christmas movie. Because a lot of the themes are about family and about dealing with family, which is, uh, I think as we go on in this episode, we'll discover a lot of these movies that we end up discussing. And, and right now, to, to the listeners, we have no idea which movies we're going to end up discussing. <laughs> but I think a commonly recurring theme in the Christmas movie is the dysfunctional family, the uh, the holiday season of being around that family that you don't get to pick, that you have to deal with. Uh, and the ref is very much uh, one of the top, that that theme at its top form. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's like every every Christmas movie is just sort of like, people hate their family. Every Christmas comedy is like, people hate their family, and then we're going to interject the family. Well, and then like, that's every Lampoon's... That's why the original trailer for Krampus was so effective, because going into it, you know, not necessarily knowing what you were looking at, it started off like the stereotypical, yeah. oh boy, here we go again, it's Christmas, what a bunch of Martha Stewart bullshit. Right. And then it took a turn. I would love to have been able to go into Krampus not knowing what it was. Just if somebody had just said, and granted, I 
loved Krampus as it was and as I saw it. But if I had been able to just sit down, if somebody had said, hey, I'm going to put this movie in, just sit down and watch it, and I had no idea what it was, it would have... Now, granted, the opening kind of gave the tone away a little bit, but it takes such a severe left turn. Like, wait, what is happening with these monsters and shit coming down the chimney? What? Like, it's I, a vicious nightmare. I love oh, it's everything. Like all of those toys, that freaking Jack in the Box thing is a nightmare. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I'm, that one looked like it was practical effects. It was all like the only CGI was uh, Krampus's tongue. Yeah. And some of the like the flame guy? stuff and the little gingerbread guys, uh, and even several shots of the gingerbread guys were practical. Oh yeah, I think that right. because uh, the they director would just kind of like be sitting there. Right, right. Well, even even some of the uh, they they were puppetry was used for some of them because the uh, guy that directed it also directed Trick or Treat, and he is a very oh, yeah. old school guy. He wants everything to be as real as it can be. He wants the actors to be interacting with actual objects. So he is very sparing with his CGI, and it shows in the movies he does. Did everybody here see Krampus? I have not. Yes. Oh god! I, it is a, and the thing is, it's a creepy movie. It's a horror movie, but it's also one of the best Christmas movies I've ever seen because it explores what Christmas is really about. Like the emphasis of the whole movie is, and I'm not talking about, uh, you know, the birth of Christ or anything like that. Which, granted, yes, that is. You know, uh, to many people, what Christmas in, is really in the, about. In the Christian me, part of Judeo-Christian, to me, what Christmas is really about is making the most of the people that you're with and finding joy. And it's the season to put aside your worries, your sorrows, your concerns, and find all of the joy and everything that you have. Mm-hmm. And that's what Krampus is about. That's why we disagree on when it should have ended. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're absolutely right, and we will not talk about that anymore. Yeah, we won't spoil it. Just some of not seen it, wrong about and the certainly end. some of the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it nearly AI. It nearly AI. That's what I, I'm I saw your post about not liking the ending, and I was ready to not like it because I value your opinion. But then. <laughs> I watched the last ten minutes of the movie, and I was like, oh, he's a dum-dum. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, yeah, that makes up Lucha Libre facts. But no, we, yo, I totally make up Lucha Libre facts. But, unfortunately, there's no Christmas luchador, so we're going to have to move on. So, uh, yes, the ref, totally solid. Anybody else got any specific things about the ref? I don't know that I've seen it all the way through. I was kind of bored by it. Yeah, I, I did not like it. Oh, you people are all so disagreeable. Well, <laughs> it, was my, no, it was my first ex, first exposure because I saw it in 1993. I think it came out, and I was you know I was like about 18 years old. It came out. Jason, you are officially our research guy tonight. <laughs> okay. but it was my first exposure to Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis. Both yeah, of yeah, whom are 
tremendous actors who I have, you know, you know, seen many other films of them since. And now, did you immediately realize, like, wow, they're really good, or was it kind of like, oh, I enjoy them, and then later on, you're like, oh, they are phenomenal. I really liked them in that, right? You know, but it wasn't enough for me to go out and explore them. But I think sure, it was sure. probably seeing Kevin Spacey and something like Swimming with Sharks a couple of years later. Swimming really with Sharks. Me. Not that that's a Christmas. Not movie, a Christmas but. movie, but an incredible movie. Yeah, uh, Frank Whaley. What the hell happened to that guy? Judy Davis and Barton Fink or something Where like that. Where did Frank Whaley go? We'll do a Frank Whaley. We'll do a Frank Whaley episode <laughs> in the future. He, he got you know he he got shot by uh, Jules and Vincent and we never saw him again. Poor Except little fellow. Um, Sean. Yes, sir. What was your guess when I said we're watching the greatest Christmas movie of all time? Uh, so mine was Emmett Otter's Jugman Christmas. Yay! Fair enough. <laughs> uh, which I learned today, because today I'm writing, uh, during the Halloween coverage on needless, needlessthingsite.com, uh, Halloween coverage, I did a few posts of 24 hours of Halloween programming. Like what I would like to see on television for 24 hours that was Halloween themed. And I was sitting at work the other day, and I was like, oh, shit, I could do that for Christmas, too. Let's recycle. So for these posts, though, I have to do a little bit of research because I don't, you know, I, I can't think of everything. I can remember certain things from my childhood, and, like, for 24 hours, I can fill out probably 12 or 14 of those hours off the top of my head. But, I mean, I've got to look around and see, oh, that's right, there was a... Uh, there was a Smurfs Christmas special, for instance. Like, I didn't remember that at all until I found it online. I was like, oh shit, that's right, uh, Gargamel, Gargamel's not even the worst guy in that thing. There's, there's this weird creepo stranger guy. So, I was doing yeah, research. Mm-hmm. Pac-Man. Uh, well, that one I was aware of, cause that one's been on Cartoon Network for the past like three years and I've watched it. Uh, not great. A lot of people think that's great. Noel? Pac-Man Christmas? Pac-Man Christmas? It's terrible. But okay. Yeah. I, I mean, the whole Pac-Man cartoon is terrible. Yeah. But the nostalgia <laughs> is strong. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I loved it when I was six. Sure. Right. But, you know, it doesn't hold up. And that's Not what, like the G.I. Joe episode Cobra Claws is coming to Which town. is on my programming <laughs> list, by the way. So, I'm surprised you didn't lead with that. As, as, well, <laughs> that's not a movie. We're technically talking about movies. That's true. Um, which Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, I didn't realize. That's true. It's not a movie. Yeah. I, well, we'll take it. Because uh, it's Christmas, and it's the season to be charitable. Made for TV movie. It's the season to be charitable. It was there on HBO. It's, yeah. It's a season to be charitable for guys who are wrong about Krampus. Um, <laughs> so, Amber Otter's Doug Bang Christmas, I did not realize, was older than John Denver and the Muppets celebrate Christmas. It was the... First time that, and it's the first time they celebrate with, they collaborate with Paul Williams too. Right. That was the first thing Paul Williams wrote music for the Muppets for. I, oh wow. For, I didn't know that. Wow. For whatever reason, I thought that was an 80s special. And it was like 77 or, or, or possibly even earlier, but. 77 and it aired on, and it aired on ABC in 80. So, and, and that's, chances are I saw it around that time, but that one is not is ingrained to me as as anything. Like, I'm aware of it, but I don't have specific memories. Well, here's why. Because if you watch it for the first time in 1980 on ABC, you watched it without the song Ain't No Hole in the Wash Tub. I just learned this yesterday because I, it was on ABC yeah. Family and I was watching it and I was like, wait a minute, the best song in the entire special is not there. And I found out that it, they're, they're re-airing the one that was originally, because it was the first time they had the Kermit introduction um, but then later right. they cut out. They had to cut time. They, well, they they had the the 
narration was later cut out as well. And there's all those legal dealings with who owns Kermit and all that. Well, so. I, another thing I learned while poking around for writing these posts was uh, a lot of these things get cut significantly once they get into syndication. Santa Claus is coming to town is four minutes shorter in a syndicated version, and they cut out things that they thought were too sensitive for children. <laughs> the scene where the Burgermeister is burning all the toys in front of the kids is gone from syndicated versions. Oh, wow. Uh, two songs are gone. Like, these things are very, very different from what we originally saw in the first broadcast. And it's it's interesting, but you can. The good thing is, if you buy the Blu-rays or the DVDs or whatever, you get the whole thing. So, Amadouters Jug Band Christmas. Tell me what's so special about this thing. It's well, I love the Muppets, so sure that. But it really was, and the song that Noel talked about, the hole in the wash, hole in the wash tub. Yeah. It was an is that like Spearhead's hole in the bucket? <laughs> kind of. Okay. Yes. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, it's just an amazingly touching. It's also a Muppets reference, by the way. You know that. Hole in the bucket is from a Sesame Street sketch, and Spearhead did a. Is it song. really? Yeah. yeah. I did not know there's that. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. Oh wow. It's just a really touching movie. I mean, it's short. I probably saw it on HBO. It's an hour. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, we'll give it. We'll give it movie status. Yeah. Um, it probably better fits within the pantheon of like. The Rankin Bass stuff. So, if we were doing an episode on all the best, well, I mean, we can things, you know but, we can talk about um, the Christmas specials depending on how much you know time we run into be because that's it really yeah. could. We should probably say that for next. Yeah, year. that should, that should be a whole. We'll do that for next year's episode. But so, Emmett Otters, it's just one of those things that it stuck with me. And I'm not a huge Christmas movie guy. I kind of am. There's a few that I stick to. That. A few, but they're more shows even than movies. But Emmett Otters is one that always just continues to resonate, and it's one that I had forgotten about for a number of years. And then when it came back, and I happened to catch it again, I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot how great this was!" And I just immediately became glued to it. So well, it's just for for whatever reason, Emmett Otter never had the traction of the Rankin Bass stuff, or even of the, like Garfield's Christmas or mm. Charlie Brown Christmas. Like it was kind of a forgotten. That's why I was so surprised when I found out how old it was. Mm-hmm. I was like. Why doesn't this have a higher profile being a Henson production? Mm-hmm. It, it's very odd. And it, just a little bit of, I don't know if you're, if you're aware of it, but the boat and the puppets for Emmett and Ma Otter are actually here in Atlanta. Absolutely. Uh, oh, at the Puppetry Arts. Arts. I still need to get down there. Yeah, yeah. I really do. Do they still have a Skexis? Uh, yes. They did last yes. time I was there, yes. That not only do they have a Skexis, I mean, they have the whole new Henson wing with all say, of the stuff. Oh, that's yeah. right. I saw that. All saw the stuff that's that. been in storage there that they were not able to display. They have a whole new wing, uh, and, and I have not been down there yet. But, of course, my lovely co-host, Mr. Bo Brown, works down there and uh, is actually pretty mad at me that I haven't been down there yet. So... If I send people down there, he <laughs> might forgive me. So you guys go visit the Center for Puppetry Arts here in Atlanta. It's it is incredible. I have been down there to see shows, and uh, I highly recommend you visit you, the museum as it was before the Henson Wing was added. Was incredible. Mm-hmm. So now that they've got a whole new building full of Jim Henson puppets and props and memorabilia. Uh, it's it's got to be a hell of an experience. And this time of year, there they do their uh, version of Rudolph, which yes. is so well done. Yes, and we we are actually going down to that uh, two weeks from today. Oh, that's so awesome. And they had the Reagan Bass characters on there for the longest time, didn't they? What survived? 
Um, they well, they've got. Uh, I mean, their production of Rudolph is based off of the Rankin Bass stuff. Yeah, no, but I think they have like the like the Rankin Bass. Um, I don't know. They, they might have them out this time of year. Some of them that all got destroyed in a fire. And there's only a few that have ever survived from the original Rankin Bass, and I believe that they are actually at the Atlanta Center. If not, that's a good story anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. good story, bro. Mike, <laughs> Mike, what did you bring up? I brought up Gremlins. Yes, yes. I think everybody in this room absolutely adores Gremlins, and I would say, in all likelihood, we all immediately identified it as sort of a Christmas pantheon type movie. That came out in July of that year. The year. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. well, it's another one like this that yeah, we all recognize it as a Christmas movie, but it came out in the summer. Right, but. Christmas plays such an integral role. I mean, that's yeah. the Mogwai. There's snow. Is Yes, there's actually <laughs> snow in that one. And Gizmo, the Mogwai, is a Christmas present yeah. to Billy Peltzer. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is a significant, it literally could not have taken place at a different time. Unless it was like Billy's birthday, and we would not be doing a Billy Pilcher's birthday podcast. And it turns out, what Phoebe Cates' character is got a huge like yeah, character a massive, moment. the most horrifying Christmas story of all time. <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. Yes, but, but I must point out, defining uh, Zach Galligan was on the Needless Things podcast, uh, and you guys should totally look that up. Nice. Uh, I will say this about Gremlins. I recognized it as a Christmas movie the first time I saw it. What I didn't recognize until I was much older was that it was a comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. When I was nine yeah. years old. It, it was a horror movie. Yeah, it was yeah. scary. It was and, terrifying. And then when Gremlins 2 came out, I was like, why was that movie so goofy? And then I went back and watched the first one. I was like, oh, because the first one's a comedy, too. Yeah. Okay. Anybody but, listening to this that has not seen the Key and Peele Gremlins 2 sketch... Oh yes, it's needs to look up the Key and Peel Gremlins Two sketch. Uh, pause this episode and go watch that sketch right now because uh, it's. I'll be right back. It's yeah, one of, here. It's one of the most genius things ever done. Okay, so well, and well, and speaking to the comedy of it, and I won't go too far down the rabbit trail. But last year uh, for Psycho Drive-In, we did a Christmas countdown, Christmas movie write up, and I covered Gremlins. Because um, it scared the shit out of me when I was seven. Yes. Um, and I didn't see it in its entirety until I was an adult. And still to this day, I associate Do You Hear What I Hear with murder. <laughs> uh, but uh, the comedy aspects were actually added later. The original cut of that movie was super, super dark. Oh, really? The original script actually called for a scene where um, Zach Elligan's mother... Um, is 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 uh, molested by a gremlin? No, is beheaded, and he oh. walks into the house, and her head rolls down the stairs. Oh my god! And Spike is at the top of the stairs laughing, if I remember correctly. Now, and see, then I the think dog that's hilarious. <laughs> but then the dog also. Oh, that's not that's right. not hilarious. Don't kill the dog. Right? You no, don't kill don't the dog. Kill yeah, the dog. it was a very very dark movie. Um, and then when they brought Spielberg on, he said. This is going to be a little too dark. Let's put some dark comedy in here. That's very interesting. And so then they introduced more of the comedic things. And then, as I'm sure everybody here knows, but if the listeners don't, that and Indiana Jones 2 are the movies that are responsible for the PG-13. Yes. Yes, we discussed that on the Indiana Jones episode. Which, well, let's not act like we knew it. I had to look it up, which I never (laughs) do. Um, Yeah, Gremlin scared the shit out of me. And for whatever reason... Uh, the final scene, spoiler alert, the final scene of uh, 
Wait, Spike or Mohawk? Spike. Stripe. Spike. Stripe. 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 Thank you. The final scene of Stripe melting gave me nightmares for weeks. That freaked me out. Now, granted, not as much as E.T. freaked me out. But <laughs> totally freaked me out. Just the sight of that gremlin skeleton with the boiling flesh and mucus and everything oh, yeah, running it down was. it. That was what got me. Like there were some jump scares earlier in the movie that yeah. definitely got me a little bit. But that, but there was definitely. Oh, I don't know. Me. Actually, the scene for me, the scene that I think of that's the most horrifying, is when Gizmo's getting like wet and the things are like popping out of his back. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. That, that like is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I think that yeah. was where I made my uncle. I had a cool uncle that took me to see all the movies, and we got about halfway through that, and, and I like got so done. scared, and I was like, "I gotta, we gotta leave, we gotta leave." <laughs> That's just and, horrifying. And, and for years, I I said that we left because my uncle leaned over and said, "There's a gremlin under your chair." <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the article I wrote last year, I actually issued a public apology to my uncle and said that I don't actually believe that he did that, but I was just trying to not be a coward. <laughs> For twenty something odd years, uh, that, you're right. That is intensely disturbing uh, because Gizmo and and that you know now looking back, I, I think that probably actually upset me more as a kid. Although I didn't realize it at the time, but Gizmo is this sweet, innocent little creature, and he if you watch it, and he's not annoying. No, he's no, not annoying no. at all. He's like, really, he's just not like, snark. He's just like, oh, <laughs> he's not he's not snark, right? Um, and also, he's aware. He's trying to stop Billy. Yes, right. from causing these problems. He knows shit's going to go bad. Yeah. Um, and it is very even to this day. It's upsetting seeing these things happen to him. Well, like, like, yeah, they're Not just him. when the water's... Yeah, when they're torturing yeah. him, too. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's such an innocent. Right, right. Um, he doesn't want any of this. And it's... This is the thing about gremlins that I've always wondered about, though, is why are Gizmo's children, essentially, why are they all evil? What's that all about? Well, this is just kind of an inherently evil race of creatures. And, and Gizmo was an aberration. Oh, yeah, and he's, you know, that's the one that they're keeping, you know, keeping safe in this little tiny, tiny Chinatown shop. But the worst thing I can imagine is some jackass making a prequel movie to explain all of that. Well, and in oh, the original... Oh, God, it's going to happen now. You spoke it into being. You just gave somebody an idea. In that original script, Gizmo was supposed to turn into Strike. Oh, really? So yeah. he was going to turn so it. So there was no... But it was Spielberg again that looked and said, well, we've got marketing here. Right. With we, we leave Gizmo alone as the cute thing. We, so we won't scar animals. Right, and we won't scar as many children. Unless they ate the gremlin cereal, which that scarred the shit out of everybody that ate it because it was horrible. <laughs> now, I'm still trying to figure out, you can't feed them after midnight, but do they specify what time zone? Right. Well, I is think well, that's just one of those. Well, okay, it's you clearly just relative. It's, that's just one of those things. Like they said, you can't like have them drink or have, get them wet, but they run around in the snow. It's yeah. like, well, that's yeah. Water. carbon-based matter. They have to consume water in order to survive. But right. but I can Straws accept I can accept the midnight thing a little bit though because we all have a biological thing called circadian rhythms where. We're aware of what time of day it is and where we are geographically. 
So I can deal with the gremlins having a certain biological awareness of where they are on Did the planet. Did you just what, 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 that's a, yeah. That is a better question. Because <laughs> I mean, okay. technically all time yeah. is after midnight. Right. Yeah. right. That's the better question. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you got to wait till 6 a.m. So, you have a window between 11.30 and midnight. So That's all. So with what we've discussed thus far, Christmas qualities. Die Hard uh, takes place in Christmas time. Uh, John McClane is there to visit his family because it is Christmas and says, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Uh, with the ref, takes place at Christmas. It's significant because it's Christmas time, it's family stress, and that is the time. Dennis Leary, is Christmas involved in his decision? No, he's just he's just a robber, and he's like, he's stealing, you know, from people's safes, and he's on the run because he's triggered, a, he's triggered an alarm, and he winds up holding up a, a couple who are arguing and they're going to couple So his motivation is not necessarily Christmas-related. No, that's just what's up. They're but having their big Christmas right, thing right. and, and their delinquent son is coming home from military school and he has to pose as a member of the family right. in order to keep everything together. So it is or integral. Not, but, but, they're, but they're counselor. And right, but Christmas is integral to the plot. Yes. Emma Otter's Jugbang Christmas, obviously, we it's don't even need title. to. Otter's <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, same thing. Uh, and then the Gremlins, Benedict Cumberbatch looks like an otter. <laughs> you don't know about this? Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, yeah. Jugbang Christmas. No. Now I want to see Benedict Cumberbatch's Jugbang it's Christmas. It's likely to happen. <laughs> You're talking about uh, what, Doctor Strange? No, no, no. D- Google, once again, I'm having to do all the research here. <laughs> Google... Benedict Cumberbatch and Otter, and you'll be pleased. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, Mike Gordon, uh, obviously Gremlins, is Christmas all over the place. Like, as much as it's not, uh, you know, Billy, yes, he gets it as, he gets the Mogwai as a Christmas present, but it, there was a very intentional decision. This is set at Christmas. We want to offset these horrible Gremlins with, you know, the jolliest time of year, so to speak. I think that was a very conscious decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it is, it does result in this hilarious uh, dichotomy of, of what's it's so going on. successful and it works so well as a dark comedy. That scene yes. where she's talking about what happened to her father, like, is, like, ludicrous. It is funny. hilarious, but, but it's also so, so depressing. Yeah, and it's, they treat it so seriously. Yes. That, that that's the fault of the next one, the next movie, which doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. But it's just it's too over the top. Well, and that's, that's the thing is the next movie does not have that balance. No, not at all. It's, it's not a dark comedy. Down, it's just a screwball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, granted, and I, I still that, love I think it. that killed the franchise, though. It did. It totally did. Uh, well, it didn't kill it. It didn't kill it. Cause as we have recently back. discovered, no. unless Zach Galleon is a crazy person, which, having interviewed him, I do not think he is. Uh, so, we've covered all of our initial responses. And we mentioned Krampus, too. I mean, you yes, and we mentioned that. Krampus. Uh, I want to mention, because I love this movie so much, Home Alone. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. My gosh. And it yeah. holds up so well. It does I, hold up. Only I mean, the watching it, and I watched it last year for the first time in a while, and yeah, it's... Which, so your reaction was, holy shit, this actually is good. Yeah. It's really violent. It's really violent, <laughs> but it's also really smart. There's so many beats in it that... Yeah are very mature for what is essentially, I mean, I wouldn't call it a children's movie, but it's definitely one of those 80s-style, like, like big, like those family sort of movies. John Hughes. It's not, what, not yeah, right, exactly. Not John Hughes, a teenager. I right, mean, a teenager. exactly. Right. But the yeah. earlier. But it's not yeah. one of those cynical, self-aware movies like we got in the 90s. It is very much a... Anybody can enjoy this thing, but it's also like grandma can watch it, the kids can watch it, the parents can watch it, and yeah. it's hilarious for everyone. Mm-hmm. And and Macaulay Culkin is incredibly not annoying, and beyond that, you root for him, you like him, you like Kevin. Mm-hmm. They they set up his place in the world so well in the first ten minutes of that movie that you cannot help but love this kid. Because you see his shitty older brother, you see his poor beleaguered mother and his crazy family, and you're like, man, why can't Kevin catch a break? My gosh, this poor kid. Like, you're sympathetic to him from the beginning, and Macaulay Culkin is just, uh, he's so endearing. He's not that annoying kid that you see in so many movies like that. Uh, and, and honestly, as smart as the script is, as incredible as Joe Pesci and... Uh, Daniel Stern. Thank you, Daniel Stern. Are, <laughs> I don't know why. Daniel Stern's one of those guys that I have trouble with his name for some reason. Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern. Brilliant. Catherine O'Hara. Love yeah. Catherine O'Hara. John Candy. John Candy. But... Macaulay Culkin oh God, John Candy. carries that movie on his little shoulders mm-hmm. because if he didn't work, that movie would not be what it is. That movie would not be. I can't wait to show my son that movie. Right? Yeah. yeah. If he was an annoying little shit, he his he was really lightning in a bottle. It was amazing. Yes, absolutely. I, he might be Benjamin Button. Well, because he's gotten in. He as he got older, he became an annoying little shit. No, he didn't. That's the thing, though. He took on challenging roles, but if you listen to interviews with the guy, he's got it together. And mm-hmm. he, well, he will say... Considering that like all his own family's screwed in yeah, yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and, and he's got a brother who did very well, too. So yeah, Kieran Culkin. Yeah, Kieran Culkin. Yeah. Also, uh, who was in Home Alone and Wet yes. the Bed. Uh, <laughs> and then he got... Hit by a car in Fargo this season. Yes, yes. Well, that's because um, Fargo was a den of death. But let's <laughs> I just take a second to appreciate Macaulay Culkin. One for being so incredible in Home Alone, and two for having his shit together now because he right. is a together guy. He did that's not good. get rot. He did not get rotted and corrupted by Hollywood like so many of these child actors mm. did. Yeah, he didn't um, get corrupted by his parents. He well, right. no, but he didn't. Is the thing He's, they yeah, fucked he, him over? No, I know. I'm saying he didn't. He got right, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Now he's a together dude. Like he does what he wants. He's financially he's fine. He does yeah. stuff like Party Monster is saved, which right. like indie exactly. movies. Exactly. Party Monster was great. He was on episode of WWE Monday Night Raw. Yes. Well, he, <laughs> yes, oh, he was. Um, when Seth Green hosted, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, because yeah. they're buddies. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, Home Alone, uh, just phenomenal. Every yeah. second of that movie is hilarious and good storytelling. Yeah. And I wrote just, it off for years because I just I thought it was like oh something I enjoyed when I was a kid. Right, right, right. And I was a kid. I was 15 when the movie came out. But you know when I was in my teens and whatnot. And last year was on television, and I watched it probably for the first time in its entirety in over a decade. And I was like, this is a really great movie. Yeah. How did I not realize this all these years? Right. Well, you just assume, because when something is based around a child actor, you have the assumption like, oh, this is going to be bullshit. Now, you, have you got Jason, Sean, Mike, have you guys watched Home Alone recently? Not recently. I haven't watched it in a number of years, but... I want to watch it this Christmas. I have it at home. Did you... And, you guys, having not watched it in a few years, do you, did you kind of feel that way? Like, ah, it's probably not. What, well, Mike, you were when it came out. The old man, <laughs> you're not. You're you're wise and experienced. Yeah, um, old man. So when you saw it, it probably struck you a little differently than it's now. Granted, we were. Well, it was 14. one of the. Yeah, I'll tell you, it yeah. was one of those ones that I thought right off the bat, it's this is for kids, and I right. see in the theater. Right, right. So it was like I was just waiting, and I think eventually I saw it, you know, on on cable, or HBO, something. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, it's all right. You know, I mean, yeah. It made a ton I, of money. I, oh yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you couldn't ignore it. I mean, yeah. there was just it was it was boom pop culture. It was one of the top three or four movies of all time. At Absolutely, the time it was yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I think Star Wars. I think it's definitely one of those things where if you are still in the kid range when you see it, it's going to be nearer and dearer to your heart. Like I don't as good as it is, I don't think a lot of adults are gonna watch it and be like, Wow, this is magical. But I think if you're if you're under twenty, when you see it for the first time, you're probably gonna be like, Oh, I get this. And it's gonna stick with you a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's it's the story itself is great, you know, that how a kid can overpower and you know, that and, and, and sort of be on his own for a while and actually still make it things work and Defeat the big bad, right? Right. It's a very empowering, and and for like I said, I yeah, was, for kids, it's yeah, it's a great lesson. Right. I like. I couldn't wait to show it to my son. And you're right. Yes, it is violent, but it's like that. You know, it's like three, three, yeah, yeah, right, right. So it's which unfortunately is unheard of now. Right. Oh, you can't so do that. That was about the last time you were able to get away with that kind of. Uh, yeah, you're probably right about that. Yeah, that that is that one in the sequel. The and side. was there three? There are five of five them. of them. Really? There, are there were a lot of five. Video, right? Now really? only the first two starred. <laughs> only the first two starred Macaulay Culkin, and right here on is the there that many problem child. Oh gosh, let's not do that. <laughs> How many dentists and menaces were there? Uh, that started that whole thing, right? It did. Like, it totally did. Like, totally yeah. Did. Well, no, yeah. Then, wrong, child. then you get no, no, there's no, no more, than that. more than that. I guarantee. Yeah. Research, head of research. <laughs> um, there, all right, yeah. But right here on the Needless Things podcast, I want to propose a new Home Alone movie with Kevin McAllister, grown up with his own family. Now, what happens from there, I don't fucking know. I was going to do, like, vacation. I'm just saying. Jumping off point. Well, apparently that didn't do so well, so let's not cite that particular misstep. But, uh, no, you bring back Macaulay Culkin. Well, you know, they... That's it, really. There was, uh, I think, a short-lived TV show. Yeah, there was. Oh, Oh, yeah. 
All right. Speaking of vacation, yes, as we all know about Christmas vacation. We have to right. talk about right. Christmas right. vacation. Well, are you aware there was Shitter a bro. sequel to Christmas vacation? Unfortunately, yes. I am aware of that. Not Vegas vacation, right. nor nope. the vacation spinoff movie that came right. out this year. No, nope. but there was a Straight major agency movie Ooh. called uh, Eddie. Uncle Eddie's Island with Adventure. The, yes, with and the, it's oh, probably with but, the reprehensible Randy Quaid. With the but stable Randy Quaid. Yeah, it sets a precedent <laughs> because it's the only time one of the kids ever came back to play um, Audrey or Rusty. Because Dana Barron from the very first Vacation movie plays Audrey in that movie. Oh, that's sad. But it was yeah. for ABC Family? That was, would just be weird. ABC yeah. Family movie. Because yeah. it's kind of, what was the what well, was vacation rating? ABC Family is a misnomer. Well, this is true. They have but, some lurid, inappropriate... And it's pro- about to not be Right, it's going to be called... What's it called? Fat freeway? Freedom? Free... Yeah, I don't know. Freeform? Freeform. I only say this because I was watching it yesterday, so that's how the only way I know this. Is I'm sorry. There was um, uh, Emmett Otter, as we were mentioning before, and also they that's were airing an episode of Fraggle Rock. Uh, it was about a solstice celebration oh. yesterday that I don't even remember seeing for the first time. I didn't even know that the Fraggles were pagan. <laughs> well, well, of course they are. <laughs> and and meanwhile, Doc and Sprocket were exploring other cultures' uh, uh, Christmas traditions, including using a pinata for a Mexican tr- Christmas tradition. So, sure, yeah, sure. All that the sounds good. That, that sounds good. Anyway, side, side um, No, that's what we do vacation. here. There's nothing wrong with that. So Christmas vacation, obviously, um, much beloved, and I think, I mean, from the first time you saw it. You probably because here's here's the deal, vacation comedy classic, it is up there in the top standard of eighties comedy movies. European vacation, Eh. maybe not so much. And I have some really fun moments. Right, I don't dislike European vacation, but it's extremely strange. Like I I don't when you after you see that one when you go to Europe. I mean things in your head. You know, look at <laughs> right, 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 right. I still say every time I go around a roundabout. <laughs> it's, it's impossible not to think <laughs> yes. about it. And there's a bunch of British <laughs> fucking Americans. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's not it's not bad, but it's really weird. It feels like the humor is oddly darker. Like it's not as I don't know. European vacation's weird, but we're not here talking about it's European movies. That'll be a future episode. <laughs> We're going to talk about Christmas movies, and Christmas Vacation was almost a redemption of sorts for the franchise, because tonally, I think it's so identifiable. I think it I think it actually has risen above the original Vacation now. Well, it's, it's of one of those... Yeah, I, yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, because yeah. it's one of those, like, Christmas classics. Right, yeah, right. right. With, standard it, everybody yeah. loves it. Like, I talk to people of all ages, and they all who have seen that yeah, movie are, yeah. you know, love Christmas Vacation. Well, it's because there is, no matter your age uh, spectrum or, or whatever, I'm just trying to use fancy terms, it's not working well because of rum... Um, and no matter, where, talk no matter, your no matter where you are, right, circadian rhythms are real shit. Look I know they're real shit. I'm um, saying you tapped out your... Right, I'm done. I blew my load early <laughs> in the show with circadian rhythms. Um, but Christmas Vacation, you have, you know, Clark, as a father, I now identify with Clark. Like, wanting that perfect Christmas for your family, willing to risk your very sanity... To provide, holy shit, gas was cheap in the eighties. Sorry, <laughs> dude. No, I I remember when it was ninety six cents a gallon, seventy four um, cents a gallon. That's ridiculous. Uh, in L A, 
In L.A.? In L.A., right. So that's like 50 cents down exactly. here. Exactly. Right. Oh, my God. I got a quarter. Um, <laughs> Give me some gas. So when I first saw Christmas Vacation, I identified... Should we explain where we, why we deviated? No, everybody understands. We're watching Die Hard. Okay. Uh, we're outside Nakatomi Plaza. Bruce Willis is getting ready to do the first ever movie bungee jump off the top of an exploding building. It's very barefoot. Cool. Uh, yes, barefoot. Well, we all know glass. <laughs> um, thing makes it harder. So just cast your toes. So you're a few minutes in front of us all going, ooh, ouch, oh, ow. Right, right, right. <laughs> so with Christmas Vacation, there's somebody you can identify with Rusty. You can identify with Audrey. You can identify with Clark. You can identify with Beverly D'Angelo, whose name I can't remember. Come on, somebody. Ellen. Ellen. Ellen, Ellen Griswold <laughs> with her fantastic rack. Um, <laughs> somebody in that movie Merry Christmas. you can identify with. Uh, for Randy Quaid. And you know, now... <laughs> you can't ever identify with if you If you identify with Randy Quaid, you need to, you need to <laughs> you leave know, the country. I, there are people that do, though. I, they're like, man, well, I Hopefully they're up, not listening to this podcast. I show up to my brother-in-law's house, my shitter's full, and they're dicks to me. I try and dump it down the sewer, and they're like... Hey, Stuart, what are you doing? You can't do that in the city. Where do you get out of here? And I'm like, man, man, bro, my mobile home is shitterful. <laughs> uh, there are guys that identify with him for sure. Bruce Willis just ran by a naked titty poster, kissed his hand, kissed the poster, as though it were a picture of the Pope. Um, <laughs> That's the, this is now the fourth time he's run by that yes. naked titty poster. Yeah. Um, that was the, there's and a then, lot of, and, and out of the four times, that was the only time you didn't notice it. Right, right. <laughs> this is, there's a lot of titties in this for a Christmas movie. Um, yeah. So, getting, uh, getting back to actual Christmas titties of Beverly D'Angelo. <laughs> God, those are great. Um, they, they really are. Or were. They really were. were. That was a great way to swing um, it back around. That's what I did. Well done. Segways, man. Uh, you know, when I first saw it, I identified a little bit more with Audrey. Like, ugh, these people are invading my space. I just want to be left alone. Now I identify with Clark, who is trying to do everything he can to make this wonderful Christmas for his family. Uh, he has He has an idea of what Christmas should be, and, you know, he never quite gets it, but he, he tries the whole movie. Like, honestly, it's it's so interesting that it's such a solid comedy, but it's also such an emotional, like, powerfully emotional movie for family-wise. What do you guys, like, is it just a laugh riot? you guys have emotional investment in it? It's, it's just to me, it's a solid comedy. I can watch it every year. I never get bored with it. There's just so many classic moments in it. You know, so many just wacky characters, Uncle Lewis and Aunt Bethany and, you know, the uh, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her husband next door. Oh my gosh, the yuppies. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yuppies next door. Oh. I mean, The every, movie that taught us to hate yuppies. <laughs> but everything about it is just, you know, is hilarious. All the scenes where he's in his office with Brian O'Murray as his boss and, you know, I can I can watch it every year. Never go a year without actually putting it on. Yeah. At least sitting back and having it on in the background a couple times. It's just a great American comedy. I mean, it it's not even something you can have to wait till Christmas to watch mm-hmm. to appreciate because there's so much hilarious comedy in there. You just want to. I'm bored. Oh, it's on TV. Cool. I'll watch it. Sure. One of my favorite uh, comedians is from Monty Python, uh, John Cleese, and he had a series called Faulty Towers, 
which ran for, I don't know, a series or two. And the, each episode is amazing. And the plot of each episode is exactly the same, where you, Basil, faulty, John Cleese, is trying to keep it together while something is going to happen, but it's like a needle just keeps, like, keeps sticking, like, in his knee or in his leg, and, and not literally, but just, like, all this right. stuff happens, and it just brings it to a boil until at the end he just explodes. And what's really funny, obviously, you know, they use the same formula in Christmas Vacation because it's, like, step by step, you just see... Like, he's trying to keep it together. Right, right. He's absolutely trying to keep it together until... I mean, that scene where he finally just blows up is so fun. He just releases it, and it's just like... You're like... Everybody who has, you know, has ever experienced any stress during the holidays can relate to that. It's just perfect. Well, and throughout the movie, you're waiting for it. Yeah. Like, the build is incredible, because everything that happens, you're like... When is this guy going to lose his shit? Exactly. It is so gratifying once he does. And it's Timmy Tate. It's like, no, he's going to. It's almost like tantric comedy. <laughs> like, you're just sitting there holding it, and finally he explodes all over everyone. <laughs> and there's so much of it, too. <laughs> That's an image I didn't need my head. <laughs> just like when you see someone's house that's right. overly lit up. Immediately, that's a Clark Griswold house. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's yes. become such a part of our lexicon. And now. not only is it a Clark Griswold house, but there is no doubt whatsoever that whoever put all of those lights all over that house suffered to do yes. it. <laughs> because that movie, out of all of the Christmas movies you can see, you'll see these these gratuitously lit houses. And you never see the turmoil and suffering that go into putting oh. those lights up. Clark Griswold, you saw what happened. The you passion. saw the mania and the passion and the torture. So you knew, like, damn it, that man had to have those lights up. And then finally, at his greatest triumph, the moment of his great triumph, when he puts the cords together and nothing happens, oh. and you're like, he is my everyman. <laughs> that is my life. <laughs> one guy actually one that? year decorated his house, got his live Christmas tree, cut off the top, put it, the Christmas tree in the window, took the top, put it on top of the roof, and made it look like it burst through the roof. <laughs> Just <laughs> like great. that movie. Oh, that that's great. That is some dedication. Yeah. That's smart. I, I like don't that. put up Christmas decorations. I like that. So I don't have to worry about it. You that. need to leave now. <laughs> you are not appropriate for this episode. <laughs> I'm going I'm to edit out all of your... All of my... Your Im and Otter. <laughs> you and your Benedict Cumberbatch references. <laughs> I thought the otters uh, get clump, screwed again. Clumpy, I, thought, I thought the episode artwork. Your clompy face Cumberbund. <laughs> um, you got at least put up the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I did. Yeah. And then I stopped. Uh, so, uh, Christmas Vacation, obviously a classic. It's, it's yeah. a go-to. I'm sure it's on pretty much everybody's list. Uh, let's talk about Elf. Uh, Will Ferrell, I think, may be a little bit divisive at this point because we've been really saturated with Will Ferrell. Uh, but personally, I think, regardless of the quality of his work, you know, he's been in some shit. 
Uh, that Blades of Glory, not awesome. Yeah. That basketball movie, not awesome. Am I pro? But when Will Ferrell, when Will, well, you know what? I'm not going to shit on that one just because I love that he did it because it was this crazy fucking thing he wanted to do. Well, he did that. He did a Lifetime movie, that right? Was a straightforward parody right. at the same time, and uh, I, I commend him for doing right, that yeah. sort of thing. Right. Um, but Elf is a classic. Elf, yeah, Elf is my gosh. I think you have to give credit to John Favreau. Oh, you, you absolutely do. Like because he reigned in. He crafted one of the most perfect Christmas movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, he got the tone exactly right because Grandma can watch it. The yep. kids can watch it. It's appropriate for everyone. They don't... Uh, they don't crap on sentimentality, but it's not overly sappy. Uh, it's just, and I mean, James Caan is oh, brilliant. Everybody in the movie, Zoe Deschanel, I mean, that, how... Well, and I feel like, for that movie, that was right, that was before Zoe Deschanel did New Girl. Right. No, really no. early for Peter Dinklage, before he became... Yes, it was, the stage, but it was before he was... Call a, me yeah. Elf again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and just... So I'm a cynical, cynical bastard, and that's why I don't put up uh, Christmas decorations. But that is one of those movies that I watch, and I'm like, oh, oh, this is what Christmas is supposed to feel like. Well, Will Ferrell is so perfect because he's so innocent in that movie. Yes. And yeah. I don't know if anybody else could do that character as well as he did. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, because I, I I, at the time, I wasn't even a big Will Ferrell fan when I first saw it, and I wanted to hate that movie. And I still, I don't think it's... On the level, some of the other stuff that we've talked about, I do have some flaws with it. I don't like how easily James Conn's character flips his switch um, and suddenly embraces everything at the end after being so bitter for the rest of the movie. Um, but it's that's a Christmas a, miracle. But yeah, yeah but, but there's, you know, you can explain this things away. But yeah, <laughs> but, but, but Will Ferrell, that's one of the reasons why I kind of got on to Will Ferrell the way that I did. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I commend him for that one. Yeah. Well, and, and just... The brilliance of casting Bob Newhart oh, yeah. as Buddy's, oh, yeah. Buddy's adopted father. I mean... With that deadpan delivery all throughout. And to me, anybody that is a doubter, anybody that's cynical about Elf at all, it's almost like Bob Newhart is the guy that's there to say, just hang in there, hang on, because his delivery... It's almost like, yeah, I don't believe this is going on either. But hang in there. We're telling a story. Give us a chance. Like, it's just so, like, Bob Newhart is one of the most brilliant comedians in the history of comedy. If you have not heard, you know, everybody knows him from the Bob Newhart show and, you know, television. Well, not kids today so much. Maybe <laughs> our generation. Our generation. Our shows. Old men today. Bob Newhart <laughs> was a comedian prior to that, and his comedy really stands funny. up. Yeah, he's brilliant, and his delivery is just like he does these character pieces, and they're incredible. Uh, so to me, his casting is what hooks you in. Like, if anybody other than him had played that role, like you said with Will Ferrell, nobody mm-hmm. else could have played Buddy the Elf. Right. Well, nobody else could have played Buddy's adopted father. 
Because Bob Newhart's the guy. He has this comedy gravitas that you're like, okay, he's here, so I'm going to see what's going on. And then, and then in the first 15 minutes, you get that weird Rankin Bass type <laughs> narwhal, oh, and, God. Like, I mean, and you're like, all right, cool. all right, I'm in. Whatever's yeah. going on, I don't know what Buddy's doing, but this is ridiculous. And I'm, target. I'm yes. so glad that he turned down doing a sequel, because yes, yeah. I, I, there the, never the should be told, a sequel. Yeah. The story was told. It's great. We have that movie. We can watch that movie every year, and yes. we don't need another one. Absolutely. Right. It's the, yeah, you're right. That story, Buddy's story is told. There is no need ever mm-hmm. for more. And that's one thing that's totally in this thing. Yet another different episode, but <laughs> that's something that's really missing from Hollywood now is the ability to recognize when enough is enough. Yeah, one and done. Oh, you, you mean like Ride Along 2 is not a good idea? Stop! Um, <laughs> oh, Alright, uh, by the way, Ed Asner is Santa. None of us Yeah. Oh, right, I yes. Like, Holy yes. shit, Ed Asner. And Santa. he's so good yeah. because and he's... And on love? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> Ed Asner as Santa is so perfect yeah. because he's not like he's like Santa would be. I've right. been doing this for a while. Yeah. yeah, I'm a little, you know, I'm still Santa, but I'm maybe a little jaded. Yeah. Was a um, lot of uh, the Santa Claus. The Santa Claus, also really fun movie. Not as you know, Tim I, Allen. Tim Allen. Yeah. Uh, which was one that I had no interest in, and then it surprised me by being yeah. really good and really uh, It's well that done. Disney formula cute kind of hook. Sure. sure. Here's sure. my problem with the Santa Claus. Yes. And I've hated this movie. Okay, I, I like the movie all right. The first time I saw it. I've hated this movie for almost 20 years now because of the wow. fact that everybody now now thinks that Santa Claus has an E at the end of it. Because of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because of that movie or just because of internet stupidity? Uh, well, I, well, it's, it's a begat, you know, begat. <laughs> yeah, right, right, you're right. Yeah, right. A little bit of comedy. That, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I can accept that. There, there are little pet peeves that I have, and that is one of the The things. Santa Claus will be stricken from the record. Yeah. Jason, you, I have to credit you for this, you actually did a little bit of research, a little bit of sitting down and thinking before this episode, you made a top ten list. Yeah. Let's run down that. And um, I'm sure we've hit some of them. Oh, yeah. We've hit them all, almost all of them. <laughs> what else have you got? Well, you got Die Hard. Yes. Right. I, that's my number one. Okay. Number two, Trading Places. Yay. Oh, oh nice call. call. Yeah. For sure. Right. I mean, take place during the holidays. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd. You're right. Um, Eddie Murphy. Dan Aykroyd is drunken Santa. Yes. Trying to put the bed in the Santa suit. Look, one of my favorite jokes of all time. Look at that escargot. <laughs> one of the worst jokes of all time, but one of my favorites. That, yeah, good call. Is that the first one that we've talked about that was R? Um... Yeah, the well, ref, the ref yeah, because Krampus was PG-13. Well, yeah, diehards are, the ref is R. Okay. Um, diehards are? Yeah, diehards are. They were, really? Yeah. There were four yeah, yeah, they say, yeah, they say, they say fuck And they say motherfuck. That's true. Because you can only say fuck once in PG-13. That's true. Diehard Diehard I like diehard Well, and like I said, diehard two brought in the snow. Yeah. That's definitely going back to the well. You better touch up on here. 
Go ahead. No, sorry. No, no, no. no I'm, I'm waiting for yeah. you. I'm waiting to hear your list. Yeah, Jason, run through yours. Okay. Um, Die Hard 2. Gremlins. Yeah. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Sure. Uh, Christmas Story. Yep. Okay. Yes. I have. I have. Uh, you guys are all going to beat my ass. <laughs> I have no tolerance for a Christmas story. Why? Do you have no tolerance for it because TBS shows it twenty four hours? That's probably part of like it. It's just overexposure. But I think, and I don't think it's a bad movie. But I, I think Ralphie is an annoying little shit. Um, I just. I recognize that it's the humor is good. I recognize I love the era and the general innocence and the way they play with like wash my mouth out with soap. Like, well, that, that doesn't happen now. But Frank, like, you're old. I dig it. I just I think it was oversaturated for me. And Ralphie, I just can't stand looking at that kid's fucking face. I want I want to shoot his eye out. It's one that. Uh, it's one that I loved, you know, for years and years and years. And at one point in time, probably in the last dozen or so years, I still claimed it was the best Christmas movie of all time. Yeah. And now, because of the fact that it's so oversaturated, yeah, it's totally I don't have any interest in ever seeing it again. Right. I it's one, it's one I watch every year. I love it. it I really still, do. I still. do watch it every year. Um, but just and, once. Uh, Did you have a well, Red Ryder BB gun? What's that? Did you no. have a Red Ryder BB gun? No. I, I no, can understand. I did not. Because I, I don't. I, it wasn't one that I watch every year from when it was released. Like it was 86? one that actually no, it was like a yeah. I mean, three? I do was remember. Really? I do yeah, remember. I do believe we saw it in the theater, and I think we all. Like, I think I liked it then, but it was before it became like a tradition thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, I just enjoy it for a lot of the reasons you said, and I don't find. Uh, the main character annoying at all. I just think he's fine. Um, I can relate to him on a lot of levels. Maybe that's part of it. And then, uh, and and to me, like it's Darren McGavin. I mean, oh, yeah. it's like that. I mean, he yeah. he sells that movie like that lock for me because he is so fun to watch in that movie. <laughs> and I will say, I have not watched it in years. It's probably time for me to revisit it. Uh, which I will certainly be able to do in TBS at some point this year. Sorry, I just say within two weeks from now you'll be able to right. 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 hours. Now you know there are actually two sequels to it. Also, I do know, and I actually love that Haven first sequel. I haven't seen it. Called? I'm not playing the sequel. Haven of Bliss. What's the other sequel? Well, there's Summer Story. Yeah, there's in, the in, one in where there. he gets the summer job and they're moving the piano up the stairs right. in the beginning. Yeah. And but, like that, I really like that movie. But there's a Christmas story too. Yeah, there's a Christmas story. Oh, right. Right. Okay, yeah. now that I don't know that I, I haven't know seen about. it. Daniel Stern takes over the yeah. Gavin McGraw. It's terrible, McGavin. by the way. It is? The, oh, yeah, Christmas story 2 is terrible. And I, I actually forgot that it existed and I saw it a couple years Most ago. Most things that Daniel Stern is in that are <laughs> not Home Alone are terrible. Except and for, City Except for Chet. City Slickers, what? Chud. Chud. Chud? Oh, that's right. Wonder Years. <laughs> Isn't Chud? Yeah, I say Wonder Years. Well, he's years. just a narrator there, though. We didn't see his. We didn't see his face. If you see his face, it's probably a bad time. All right, <laughs> keep going. Keep going. What else have we got? All right. Um, I left off a Christmas story. Uh, Home Alone. Sure. Um, you know, this is probably my oldest one. Only oldest one on here. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Love the original. 
Okay. Uh, number nine, and I really, I can, I can only make nine because it was hard to find ten. That I could, but Batman Returns. <gasps> so you did leave it off. Interesting. Oh, good. But wait, I know which one. But wait, first, that I let's talk about before. Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and and it's been an interesting thing watching. Uh, internet response to the Tim Burton Batman movies over the last few years. Yeah, well, because because for a while people liked to shit on them mm-hmm. because they had decided that the Nolan movies were superior. Uh, and then Michael Keaton became a media darling because of Birdman, right? And people sort of started to come back around, like, oh well, Michael Keaton's so good. Da 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 da. Uh, I have never stopped loving Batman and Batman Returns. Now, I do recognize that Batman Returns has some flaws. Batman murders a lot of circus folk. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's probably not okay that a Donald Trump analog shoves a crazy cat lady out a window and kills her. That's a little weird, he's especially a as an origin for Catwoman. Because that is nothing like any Catwoman origin that's yeah, ever no, happened. No, that's a Tim Burton. But, and right. And, and that's we exactly thought that was the craziest one. Until. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. And then it just went downhill. But we also have Paul Rubens as Penguin's father. Yeah. We also have Danny DeVito as Penguin. Um, and Carol Channing as Penguin's mother. And who reprises that role in Carol. in Gotham? Not, and then, yeah, not and Carol Channing. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Carol Kane. Uh, Carol Kane. Yeah. 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 Um, Paul Rubens will be returning Carol, on yeah. Gotham as well. Yes, right. So He's going to be Penguin's father again. Here, here's my thing: if I if I didn't know anything about Batman, Batman Returns would be my favorite Batman movie. <laughs> it's the one I enjoy most as. A wacky movie with all sorts of yes. wacky things happening, in and that, but it has nothing to do with Batman. No, it's but it's <laughs> well, well, I will. So I will counter and say that there are things about. So really, neither of Burton's Batman films are Batman films, but there are elements that he carries that are true to the Batman mythos, and there are small parts that I think he gets right, and what I do think he gets right, I think he gets really right, and and Batman uh, Returns. The relationship with Bruce Wayne and Selina, I think, is perfect. And I think the only other time I've seen it topped anywhere is in Batman the Animated Series. Which tops every Batman everything, everything ever, exactly. including the comic book. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I love... Like, I don't like a large part of Batman Returns. I don't like DeVito's take on the Joker, and I don't credit DeVito for that. Well, he's not the Joker, so that would explain why you're going to problem. I mean, Penguin. Like, God, this guy played this. <laughs> he's like, this why is a weird Joker. Why is this Joker living a why sewer with a bike? Why did he eat fish? He keeps acting like a penguin. That's weird. As a penguin. I just didn't like that. Although, I like DeVito, although, but I didn't like that speaking version. of Gotham, it's entirely possible that the penguin will be the Joker. Who knows? Well, this yeah. is true. This is true. But that's the Selena, the Susie Nevanchis face-to-face, the scene. Dude, that is so awesome. Right? Mm-hmm. That, like, you know, Mr. Yes. is deadly if you eat it. It's even deadlier Dude, if you meet all it. all of that interaction with The them. little emo kid in me to oh, this day sure. still hears that, and I go, fuck, I wish I had that. Yes. Like, I want that kind of tragic romance in my life. Right. And, um, 
not afraid to admit that. Well, that was like, you know, you, you kind of hear like certain movies or, or comic books brought to life, and you hear that a lot of times. To me, that was the first movie that really feels like a comic book, the way it's well, told. Yeah, and there's nothing, yeah. there is nothing in that movie that could not happen in a Batman comic from the 50 years that preceded that movie. Oh, yeah, it could very easily fall in that, like, just post-Dick Sprang, pre-Frank yeah, Miller period, where things were a little... Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, and it's a fun, non-stop action when, when Penguin is sitting in that little toy Batmobile. <laughs> right. right. It's ridiculous, but it's what fun about to see. out to see by Penguins? Yes! I feel like why what, not? What Penguin what? sends an army of penguins, literal <laughs> waterfowl, with missiles, <laughs> missiles on their backs, and there's giant penguins too. Emperor right. penguins, little penguins, flipping around all <laughs> over the city. They're an adorable shark with lasers. I think, <laughs> right. I, I think I'll take just penguins to make with penguin missiles like over sharks with lasers any, any day of the week. <laughs> Um, no, so I love to get to that scene. He's like, "What I have in my head is this idea of penguins with missiles. How am I going to build a story around that?" It's going to have to be a Batman movie, obviously. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that movie caused Tim Burton to get like suicidally depressed for several years. Well, so did the first one, and so yeah. did I mean. But the reviews for the second one were not very good. The well, first one got pretty good critical reviews. The second one, was, yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually my favorite of the four during that era. Um, I. I you know, we've talked about it before, but I don't like the first Batman movie, yeah, um, yeah. much at all. And uh, yeah, and, and the the I'll, I'll, I'll be at a few things, but then the second one, I actually I actually like Batman and Bruce more yeah. than in the second one, um, and. Uh, and I like I, I just love Michelle Pfeiffer in it. She's just amazing. She the really problem, does her character that's not really Catwoman. She does an amazing job of playing Catwoman. Christopher Walken is great. Oh my yes. god, yeah. he's I love that when he like <laughs> takes off the mask and he's just like he still doesn't get it. Why is Bruce Wayne dressed as Batman? What's going on? So we covered some good stuff. We covered Jason's top ten. There are a few left though that I feel we have to talk about. Uh, one of those is Scrooge. That's the one that yeah. I was surprised. Oh, oh yeah. shit. How have we not Sorry, Scrooge? Um, yeah. Well, before we talk about Scrooge, let me just say okay. that I have to, I have to want my favorite, one of my favorite stories, period, is A Christmas Carol. Like, I think it's just a perfect, now, which perfect story. Well, and so I have to watch at least some version of it every, every year. Because okay, it's now, just there's so many. We'll hit your version, but I want no, no. I just go ahead and say do like, what, I, oh, I just okay. wanted to say that I think it's a classic story, and yes. it can be done in so many different ways. And it's amazing how like it seems like every generation has one mm. that they kind of hold on to, and because I just think it's a true testament to the the story itself. Well, and and like I was saying earlier with Krampus. Uh, it is about it's a Christmas story the like true story. meaning How cool is that? right well and it's about <laughs> it's one of the only Dickens stories I actually like it's about the true meaning of Christmas the giving and the sharing of joy and I thought you it was know ham. caring about your loved ones what the meaning of Christmas is ham stop um, <laughs> South Park on so uh, <laughs> it's just got a great message don't be a dick so what is your 
I clearly did not pick up on that. Movie. So what is what is your preferred version? My favorite version is the nineteen fifty one Alistair Sim. Alistair Sim. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's got to be. That's like that's the one that I, that's always my go to. Yeah. But um, you know, every year I'll watch some different one because there's been so many different kinds. Well, Turner Classic Movies usually plays the Alistair Sim one at some point. In the now season. that one I think is just called Screw. Well. Uh, it's called Scrooge. It's it's because it's a British production. Yeah, but the American release is called A Christmas Carol. Yeah, but it, yes, it is generally referred to as Scrooge. Yeah. Sean, do you have a favorite Christmas Carol story or version of the story? My favorite version is so silly. It's the Mister Magoo. I love oh, that one too. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's I do. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. And he just plays a good Scrooge. Absolutely, it fits that character very well. Um. I love the Alistair Sim version, but I think A Muppet Christmas Carol yeah, is yeah, my, yep. like, that's the one I can watch every single year. I love it every time I watch it. Uh, and it's just, man, Michael Caine is so great. And watching him interact with Muppets, yeah. it's better than watching him interact with Batman. And anything with Michael Caine is great. Yes. Let's just be clear. Hey, even Jaws. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not going to go that far. Um, it's Michael Caine. They backed the truck up to his house, and they said, will you make the, this Jaws movie? And they did it, so. It was just 15 years ago. Who would make the Jaws movie? They For the truck sure. Yeah, no kidding. For sure. Uh, no. Uh, well, the Muppets, Muppets is a really, really good one. Um, and, yeah, Scrooge. But there's also... It's a uh, there's a Bundy full life. There's a it's a oh, yeah. oh my god! Wow. Which yeah, um, wow. it was a special a episode of Married with Children. But is that Christmas Carol or is that no? It's basically a tale on because it's that's yeah, more of a if Al it's a was worse. Yeah, Carol like first if Al's life didn't suck balls. Yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah. Which is kind of a more of It's a Wonderful Life. I guess that's the title. Give that away. Um, <laughs> I like, you know, uh, I would have to go with the Disney, Mickey Mouse. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mickey Mouse. Oh, yeah. You know, it's sure. just Scrooge great McDuck. Yeah, yeah, classic characters. <laughs> take I on. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> His name is fucking Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Who else is Scrooge? <laughs> and it takes to the last person in the line to go, well, hey, you know, there's a Disney character. And here's an interesting, um, an interesting sad off, if you will, is who is the more pathetic, uh, Tiny Tim, Robin, <laughs> or Mickey's little mouse child. Oh yeah. Who makes uh, you more sad? I think Mickey, I think yeah. Mickey's kid wins that one. Yeah. Yeah. Although I gotta say this with the with the Muppet Christmas Carol, it's kind of weird because they have both frog and pig kids going on there. Yeah, kind of strange. Look, they're not, we don't need to get into it. Yeah, we've yeah, science yeah. enough on this. <laughs> right? We've already hit the science part tonight. I was waiting for like hybrid frog. No, kids. I don't <laughs> ever want to see that. Oh, <laughs> what a nightmare! That's Ghoulies. Why is that pig green? <laughs> Which uh, Ghoulies is not a Christmas movie. No, no, so we Even will, it's uh, kind of just copying. When we talk about, co- well, there were there were a there few were many, of those. Yeah. There, were, there were many. Uh, so Scrooge, Scrooge is fantastic. Scrooge is amazing. Now, I did not love Scrooge the first time I saw it because it was so dark and cynical. 
And granted, it has the same happy ending as any other telling of a Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. But to get there, it's it's a dark comedy. And when I I don't know what year it came out. Uh, I'm looking now. 1988. 88. I was I was 12 years old, so I was willing to accept explosions and Bruce Willis cutting his feet up on glass, but. Bill Murray suggesting that they staple hamsters to a ma- or staple <laughs> staple hamsters to a mouse is what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> now that's a hybrid animal right there. <laughs> staple uh, staple antlers ant- to a mouse uh, uh, and and things of that nature. And I didn't get once again. We have the lovely Carol Kane yes, uh, showing yes. up, <laughs> and it was just the first time I saw it. It was a little dark. For me, it took well, me some viewings to appreciate the that. Ghost of Christmas Future is fucking frightening. Yes, it's super creepy. It's haunted me because I was well, like thirteen and I couldn't sleep at night. And it's that. it's not just what it looks like, but Murray sells it. Yeah, he is fucking terrified of that thing. Uh, and it's got what, Karen Allen in it, and she's fantastic. Right, it, which is we were just talking about Karen Allen the other day, oh, and definitely. I think talking about that was the last thing she did. Talking about <laughs> the exactly, right. The Ghost of Christmas Future is not listed on IMDb as a character. Because well, there's, it's there's because not it's like the future line. They don't know about it yet. So what about you guys? When you first saw Scrooge, what were your reactions? Like, did you immediately recognize it as genius, or were you kind of like, eh, this is weird? It's one I haven't seen. Really? What? what? No, it's I, Scrooge? I know, it's one, that, it's, it's one that's always on that list. I'm sorry, I just gave you the I haven't seen Star Wars reaction, but holy <laughs> cow. Well, it, for it a guy who's it's got, it's got Christmas Carol's your favorite it story. It is, absolutely it right. is. And for, wow. some, for some reason, I stayed away from it for a long time, and I don't know why. It's Something about it rubbed some, me some the wrong way. Some of my esteem for your voice just dropped a little bit. Your voice just isn't as magical so anymore. It's, 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 not it's, it's just one of those ones that's on the list. Oh, you really to. need to. I do. Yeah. I do. Because oh I really gosh. like Bill Murray a lot. So I can't... It's one of those things I can't explain why it Dude, has... Buster Poindexter's in it. Well, Bobcat Goldblatt. Right. Bobcat Goldblatt. Yes. That's what I was waiting for. Buddy Hackett. Bob Cratchit. He, yeah, he plays Bob Cratchit. Buddy Hackett is in it as Scrooge. I don't wow, know. Then that's that's who you're that's the deal's putting right. over? <laughs> well, I like <laughs> Buddy Hackett. How fucking old are you? Are you? I like Buddy Hackett. The 78-year-old Red Ranger is putting over Buddy Hackett in a movie from 1988. I do a very bad Joe Pesci impression that comes out sounding like Buddy Okay. So that means I have a buddy hacking soft spot in my heart. What are you talking about? There are so many. Nobody <laughs> listening is going to get that reference at all. There were so many movies around that time because the 80s was the time of like giant corporate excess. Yes. And and it was one of those, and kind of like trading places is, you know, getting yeah. on these, these giant Wall Street executives and, you know, this is completely tearing down like the greed right. that is in. and. It's so very 1988, and I don't mean that in a bad way. No, no, absolutely. It, it captures the time perfectly. Well, there's yeah. some, there's some movies it's probably just as valid, even more so today. Yeah. Well, there's some movies that you know were made in the 80s that are very dated. 
And there's some movies that were made in the 80s that capture that time. And those are two very different things. Yes. Yeah. And Scrooge is one that captures that time yeah. period. The John Hughes movies that we mentioned are yes. they yeah. capture yeah. that They're time. not yeah. dated. Nope. They just feel they, like... They are in and of that time frame. Yes. God, it sucks he's dead. Um, yeah, it does. So... Noel, what, when did you uh, first see Scrooge like, and, and how did you feel? I saw Scrooge in the theater. theater. No uh, kidding. Yeah, probably the opening weekend. Were you shut up about Bugger Hackett? Noel's trying to talk about important things. Not some weird vaudeville juggler. The I saw it opening weekend. Um... And obviously, being familiar with the story of a Christmas Carol, I was and I was thirteen or so. It was eight, sure. eight, so I was aware of all that. I knew what it was, what it was going for, and you know, it was kind of one of my first exposures to Bobcat Goldthwait, who I absolutely adore up until this day and, and beyond. Worthy of your adoration, yes. Um, but no, I I loved it because I felt I kind of felt like I knew it was dark, and I was old enough to kind of appreciate that, and I also knew that. There was a little bit of risqueness in there because there's a woman whose nipples are showing at one point in time in the movie and they point right. that out. And all, you know, so it was, I, I probably was the perfect age to see it when it first came out yeah. because I was young enough to still want to see a fun Christmas Carol adaptation and old enough to kind of understand that get, cynical dark yeah, nature yeah. of it. So it, it always has resonated with me and I, it's one that I try to watch as much as I can. I, I haven't watched it yet this year, but. Uh, I still have another week and a half to For Christmas, sure, so, yeah, uh, on the list. Jason, what about you? See, okay, this is a... Um, who, who excluded it yeah. from it your okay, list? See, this is right. not, and not just because there was a better movie, but because nine where you felt all you felt you needed I, on your I, top I, ten list. <laughs> I couldn't I come up with ten because I left ten. off Scrooge. <laughs> but, see, the reason, and I knew Scrooge was going to come up, during this uh, little conversation we're having. Okay. And no, when you stopped the recording, it's like, I can't believe you didn't mention it. I was like, I knew that the one you were sitting there going like, you didn't mention it. Because <laughs> it's it's a good movie, but it's a story that's been done over and over and over and over. And, you know, working from, you know, my experience working in uh, movie retail, I've seen like every You've single seen all of them. Yeah. So what's your right, but you had Die Hard too. What's your preferred version? The Mickey Mouse. Oh, oh the right, 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 right. Yeah, uh, but I just, you know, for me to put Scrooge on there, it's, it's, it's different. But it's you a movie just don't love it that much. I don't love it that much because there's so many different versions. Sure, of it, sure. Of the same story over and over and over again. Yeah. I was, you know, try, my list. I'm trying to go. I don't want. Well, your list is your list, right? Yeah. yeah. But I didn't want something that's done over and you over. You didn't want to just throw it on there just because. I get it. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. That's perfectly reasonable. I mean, we still busted your balls about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. Is, I, just, I just wish I had my camera ready because when I said I hadn't seen it, all of you were just like, eh? <laughs> yeah. That is, yeah. Your offense is far greater than Jason's offense. At least he's seen it. And well, and um, you've got a good reason. Like you've got reasons, and, and they stand up the screen. The uh, the last big one that I want to bring up, and, and we'll certainly go around if you guys feel like there's anything that we missed, but Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now does that count as a Halloween movie? That on both Halloween and your Christmas list. Yeah, I put it on both. But I think it's more a Christmas movie than it is a Halloween movie because yes, it takes place in Halloween Town, but it's about Jack Skellington trying to appropriate Christmas because he's dissatisfied with his Halloween lifestyle. So, so to me. It is slightly more a Christmas movie. Uh, now you can watch it anytime. Yeah. 
but it is definitely putting Christmas over. It's about Santa Claus. Um, it's about learning about giving and the joy of uh, doing for other people, which again goes back to my ideal of Christmas. Uh, and, and if you listen to the soundtrack, it it is definitely has a Christmassy vibe to it. Uh, when I first saw it, now I was. It came out in '93. Um, so I can't do math. I have no idea. I was 17. You're, yeah, you would have been a senior. I was 17 years old, and it's you know I know better now, but to me then it was essentially a children's movie, and I I didn't really have much interest in it, and I don't know when I first saw it. But I do know once I did see it, it blew me away. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And I felt like a dum-dum for not acknowledging it sooner. Uh, you know, even though it was Tim Burton, and at that point in my life, I adored Tim Burton for Beetlejuice, for Batman, for Batman Returns. Like, he was a magical name. But I felt like, why is Tim Burton doing this children's movie? Uh, and then I saw it, and it blew my mind. Totally blew my mind. Everything about it is perfection from beginning to end. Uh, it's beautiful. The songs are wonderful. The voice performances are incredible. Everything about it is absolutely perfect to me. Uh, and it has spawned generations of admirers. Yeah. Tons of merchandise. Uh, it, it's, it is a phenomenon. Yeah. And there's nothing else. You know, obviously it takes inspiration from Rankin Bass. It takes inspiration from many different places, from silent movies. Uh, from the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, things like that. Uh, Nosferatu, you know, it, Tim Burton wears his inspiration on his sleeve. But it is so unique and so beautiful, uh, and also so Tim Burton. But I just, I adore that movie. If only he had directed it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't. He was, was a producer. Selleck. That was Henry Selleck, but yeah, Tim right. Burton had a heavy hand in it. Oh, yeah. sure. If sure, you yeah. go and look but at the But it's amazing. There's like, there is a huge, like, debate. As to whether or not you know who really is has ownership of well, that. and because we'll, not 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 in a uh, legal sense because that's a step, but in a creative but, sense. But in a creative yeah. sense, you know, I mean, it's always considered well, like a Burton film, a Burton film, Burton, you know. But but like meanwhile, the you know the guy I, who did most of the heavy lifting doesn't get as much. But I think, credit. and 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 that's a that. that's a fair statement. But I think the creative vision is very obviously timbered. Yeah. I yeah, think it's now, it fits within if you want to see, but I have seen other movies that he's done um, that James and the Giant. Or, Peach. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you yeah. want to see Henry yeah. Selleck's vision, yeah. watch James and the Giant Peach. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean and, that's well. And if you look at, I mean, you watch Corpse Bride, which Burton did direct. But both of and, see, it's not fair because both of those were after. Yeah. I remember before Christmas, Ben, that's what the studio wanted. They're like, you know, we want another we one want of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. even with James and the Giant Peach, they were kind of like, we didn't want another one of these. So of course they're well, both going to look like that. But in Frank and Weenie, too, I think that's kind of, that goes back to kind of the original designs that he had in his mind. Because you can look at the old old drawings that Tim Burton drew. They long look before. like Nightmare Before yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah. all. Frank, and, if you look Frank and Weenie could fit into Nightmare Before Christmas. It could not fit into James and the Giant Peach. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of the, 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 the look of even the Batman movies. I mean, you can just, yes. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Burton has that, you know, has that look. He does it's amazing things with gray. He makes gray seem very vibrant. Yeah. So what about you guys? When did you first find uh, Nightmare Before Christmas? 
What's your appreciation for it, or do you not like it? I haven't seen it. Stop. Have you really not seen it? Me? Please give him some shit. Wow. I was <laughs> you said you worked in a movie retail. You worked in a movie stop. Thank you. You had free access to everything. I know, there but any movies you haven't seen, especially one is significant. One of those to me that everybody loves it. The hype, the hype, the hype. I don't. I've learned. And it gets to the point where you're like, "What's the point in watching it?" Were you able to play movies in the store when you were working? Unfortunately, that's well. That's the reason I hate Elf. <laughs> because people put that you on. You hate Elf. It was on every single I, minute. I, every single. I wish that the ancient knight was here. The ancient knight from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade <laughs> was here to point you at Jason and to look at me and say, "You chose." Poorly. Hey, <laughs> movie, no. I don't care what it is. Look, if you're watching it for an eight-hour shift, over and over again, over and over again. I used to work at Suncoast. I understand. And you brought the top nine list. You did the little work beforehand, right? So I have to give you a pass well, for that. It, and that's the. I worked in a video store. I, I ran one. That's for right. You did as well. Three and a half years. And Where did you work? It was called Movie Time. It was a mom and pop store, right? It was right? a mom and pop store over in, in Lilburn, Georgia. Yeah. And, you know, we could play movies, and we always had a movie, you know, going on in the background. And that was a PG-rated movie. And you so watched Kung Pao enter the fist all the time, yeah, right? Those, those little... little uh, we were there a little before <laughs> Kung Pao existed. <laughs> but Night Before Christmas was one that we could put in, especially during Halloween and Christmas. Sure. And, and, I, and that job is the reason why I can recite that movie from start to finish. Right, right. Um, you know, I, but I still watch it on my own, even though I even though I would have it in the in the VCR all the time when I was there. I still throw it in every Christmas. Uh, watched it just last week when I was decorating the tree, and that was so. another one that I felt I cannot wait to show this to my son. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for him to see it. Well, visually, it's so different for the time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, now of course it's got a bunch of clones, but 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 at the time it was so different. The animation was so style was so uh, different. This is before there was. You know, all the CG, so it all had to be done practically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff, if you get one of the special edition DVDs or the Blu-ray, the behind-the-scenes stuff is as fascinating as the movie. Because looking, first of all, the, the, the puppets and the miniatures are much larger than I ever realized yeah, they were. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, they are... Huge. They almost probably had to be in wow. order to, right because they were so detailed. And if you there is there are shots as you go through the documentaries and stuff, uh, they have like five hundred jack heads for all of his mm-hmm. facial expressions. And at one point, at one point they show five hundred jack heads. Five hundred jack heads. At one point they show this special case that they made to keep all of the heads in, and it's just this wall. Of Jack Skellington heads, and it's it's crazy. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I want to get a still shot of that because it's amazing. So, but not only is it you know exceptionally looking visually, but then of course Music. you know musically, uh, you know Elfman just it's one of the peak moments of his career, I think. Yeah, and just and just the, the such an original story, you know, to come up yeah. with something yeah. along those lines. Uh, you know, nobody ever told a story like that before, right? Yeah. yeah, it's not an adaptation of something else. It's not. No, it's that, not pulling from it, any yeah, classic I mean, stories. Had, like you said, it's got a lot of roots in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing that you can pinpoint and go, "Oh, well, that's where they got that story from." Right? You know, and 
And, uh, yeah, Disney has since marketed the hell out of it. But to your point about whether it's a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie, I think it's pretty telling that, you know, both Disney parks uh, uh, decorate the Haunted Mansion for Christmas right. with this, not yeah. for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Disney, yeah. um, Disneyland does an overlay on the Haunted Mansion at Halloween as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm almost positive that they do. And then there's a meet and greet with Jack um, after the not-so-scary Christmas party. Gotcha. Well, and the whole thing with Halloween is it's only the beginning of the movie. Right. It takes place around Halloween. Right. The rest yeah. of it is him trying to appropriate Christmas, as you were saying. Yeah, so yeah, the majority, And it's in the title. It's the Nightmare <laughs> right. Before Christmas. So. Right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not the Nightmare After Halloween. Sean Ray. I on the classic poem. I... <laughs> I absolutely love the movie. Like, in my car right now is uh, a hoodie I got last year at Disney that's got Jack's face on it and it's covered with little emblems and stuff, and I love it. It's like my favorite hoodie in the universe. The the look and feel of that movie is amazing. In a weird way, I felt like... So that came out, like, right after I had graduated high school. I was still living at home, getting ready to go to college, and uh, when it... Um, I was never, like I said, not big on the holidays, uh, Christmas, but um, this is one of those movies that, like, I was like, I get this Christmas. Like, the Christmas feel, the weird, dark kind of vibe, but yet still, like, there's that happiness. Like, they're playing around with gray tones and, and two-color stuff. We'll, we'll, get into your, we'll get into your holiday issues on the therapy cast. Yeah, that'll be another <laughs> one. But, uh, but, no, I mean, it's just, it's something that I was like, I, this is awesome. I wish every... Like I would love Christmas in Christmas Town, the way it was presented right, right. in that movie. Yeah, it is more a better way to say it. Like the the ability to bounce between Halloween Town and Christmas Town would be like my personal utopia. It would just be fantastic. And it's interesting because I, I think that's very much what Burton was going for is yeah. the joys of of both worlds. Yeah, exactly. And, and finding have, your place. I also have to give him credit too because you know I I knew still do know many goths growing up, right? And they are always disconnected from Christmas in a way that was just like they hated it. Yeah, yeah. Commercialization, et cetera, sure. et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Loved Halloween, but you know, come November, December, they're just like miserable. Like they hate it. They're like they're all this stuff. Well, November first was the right. end. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. boom! You have this movie that completely like makes Christmas accessible to them in a way that they can celebrate it like they couldn't before, and it was that's. I mean that's some pretty powerful stuff when you can yeah. do that, and that's yeah. I mean that's exactly I mean that it hits the nail on the head for like you know if you're a, a disaffected depressed kid and then you <laughs> you see this and you're like oh my god like it opens up your eyes in a way that it just nothing I'm else has tired of being dark and miserable right. I want some tinsel I'm gonna go put on colors <laughs> <laughs> give me something red <laughs> and the, the, the Christmas thing I think does kind of work sometimes with that kind of dark and moody because there's a lot of the Christmas imagery that is yeah. actually really dark yeah, right? yeah. Christmas Carol yeah. story like I said yeah. there's a ghost Carol. story yeah. I mean Krampus stuff in there. has history in German lore I yes. mean he's been oh, around yeah. for he's so you he's only gotten like, popular recently man, but all of a sudden he like hired a PR firm for the yeah, last no, five years right, yeah. he has been like everywhere yeah did he get hooked up with Ellen Hubbard's people I'm surprised Disney give him time so are there any find a way to license that shit? Are there any films that, that we've overlooked? Yes. Is there anything? Okay, oh, yeah. God, God, it. there's like, an yes. ominous yes, Bad Santa. 
Oh yes, Billy uh, Bob Thornton, <laughs> who's a who's a tricky character because he received he was awfully oversaturated uh, for a certain amount of time. And Bad Santa was a movie that I, I wasn't particularly interested in because, and I, I've talked about this on the show before, but I hold Santa very sacred, and I hold Santa's public image very sacred. Uh, here on the podcast, we do not discuss the nature of Santa Claus. Um, he is one of the very few protected figures in my pop culture pantheon. Uh, I'm not... I, I am very... Uh, selective about how Santa is portrayed in the things that I watch or whatever. Now, what is your view on like the the, the horror elements that you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night? I'm Christmas uh, Evil. I'm pretty anti those. Was it Goldberg and uh, he was in Santa's sleigh or Santa sleigh? Santa's sleigh. S L A Y. Santa with muscles. Santa with muscles. Yes. Um, wow, we're overlooking some real gems in yeah. this episode. I didn't know how, um, how dark we were going to go. I, I, you know, <laughs> as a whole other episode. It, it's, you know, obviously there's a separation between what adults should watch and what kids should be exposed to. Um, I, I think if it's done cleverly and if you're smart about it, then evil Santas are fine, whatever. I, you know, I, I don't care. Uh, but Bad Santa was just... To me, like, ugh, I'm not, I'm not real interested in this. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton, I think at the time, I, I can't remember what he did recently before that, but I think I was a little burned out on him. That was what, 2003? Yeah, so he probably hadn't done much. I think it's Angelina Jolie, probably. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of this happening. Where's the Jolie stuff Jolie going on there? Yeah, yeah, around carrying around Jolie's blood. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think it was like, I don't need this guy. But once I saw the movie, I was like, "Okay, this is hilarious. I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's it's good. Obviously, kids are not going to watch this. It's not marketed to kids, uh, and he's not actually Santa Claus. So right, yeah. that's and that's definitely a defining line. It is is you know the the Dan Aykroyd, Billy Bob Thornton, Mall Santa, whatever kind of right. thing versus actual Santa Claus. Yeah, you. It's just you, that's you take a character who is just so depraved. Right. And so just hideous. Like, this person would be awful to everybody, and yet you have redeemed him so much by the end of this movie. Even though he's still, he goes to jail, spoiler, right. but, right. you know, <laughs> and he's still kind of a jerk, but, you know, he redeems himself by taking care of this little kid, right. and, you know, it's yeah, a, a wonderful, wonderful he's, character. He's, uh... He's a horrible person that never stops being horrible, but he does have a conscience. Mm. Uh, you know, it's the the little... He can be shitty in many little ways. Well, and the drunken Santa Claus thing has kind of been a little bit of a trope throughout the years. Uh, yeah, the and that was probably... Yeah. And, like, well, this even in the Christmas story, the Santa's to, kind of uh, yeah, dickish. Yeah. Yeah. But that, yeah. like, takes oh, him to oh, an extreme. Oh. Yeah. Where he's just this raging alcoholic, and, and then there's the, of course... Um, What's her name from Gilmore Girls? Uh, Lauren, Sebastian Bach? Yeah, Lauren Graham, who's just, you know, <laughs> absolutely stunning woman. Yeah. Yes, who has a Santa Claus fetish. <laughs> Sebastian Bach is in Gilmore Girls. I was not aware of that. He's a reoccurring character. 
Uh, well, and to be fair, it's you know to your point, it's not called really cool Santa. It's right, uh, bad right. Santa. <laughs> right, right. You know what you're getting it's, going it's, in. It's not called be like this it's Santa. Kid. Role, role model Santa Claus <laughs> and the perfect foil of this poor like sad sack kid whose nose is always running and. All the other kids beat him up, and he wears clothes that are too tight. And who is genuinely... This is something that just doesn't happen in movies very often. Genuinely off-putting. Yeah. Like, they didn't cast some kid who was going to take his glasses off and be an underwear model. Like, this was an off-putting, unpleasant kid, and he was throughout the movie and then that moment happens where you find out his story and you're like oh and he's so innocent because like you know uh, Bill Bob Thornton's character can sit there and curse in front of him and you know do just these horrible things and it doesn't affect him right and, he's, and even though he's mean to him he's still like you know here here's here I mean here's here's a little candy for right, my right yeah well here's so, the calendar. And this is my my turn to say I've not seen it because I haven't seen Mad Santa. That's not nearly as shocking no. as the other revelation. <laughs> well, yeah, well there you go. This this side of the room hasn't seen it. But I will say that Santa, just as an archetype, works well for that twist of and it's probably why the horror movies are even of any interest, because he really is it doesn't matter race, creed, color, religion. If you're in America or in most of Eastern Europe, Santa is sort of this thing. He is this ultimate symbol of goodness. Oh, and so you can really play with that when you make the character not be an ultimate symbol of goodness, but you've got people that look at it. Well, not just goodness, but selflessness. Right. Yeah. This just the, again going back to you know, my idea of the theme of Christmas—that spirit of giving—that mm-hmm. to me is what it's about—is giving of yourself and and to others. Yeah, I mean, arguably, you want to do a good Superman film? Just look at what people think of for Santa, and make that Superman film. Cool. Anything else, you guys? I uh, covered a lot. Oh, a lot of them. Well, there's a lot more we could recover. But oh God, we'd be well. We gotta save I'll, something for next year's episode. I will tell you this: uh, as far as movies that I can't stand, um, and this is not something that is because of the quality of the film. In fact, I've never seen it. But there was a movie called Prancer, <laughs> and so when I worked in the video store, uh, we had family, one copy. No, no that was a theatrical theatrical film. film. Was it really? Yeah. Yes, uh, we had one copy of this movie. And this was, it came out in, what, late 80s, 87, 88? Yeah. And I was working there in the mid-90s. Was it, it was after Santa Claus, the movie, I right? I think 89. So. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, every kid in the Gwinnett County area wanted to see this movie. Sure. And they would scream at the top of their lungs oh, when no. they came into the video store. And, we uh, had it. and it was on moratorium, so we couldn't order more copies of it, or otherwise... <sighs> Yeah, because it was, I mean, if you wanted a copy of it, you had to get on the secondary market for like 200 or I remember my sister going bonkers for that movie. Okay, all right, we've got to wrap this thing up, but we have overlooked one of the greats, and I feel ashamed that I did not think of it. I'm surprised that none of you guys brought it up, particularly you, Noel. Ernest Ernest Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. No. No? No, no just finish. Just really? Stop. Are you a, go out on a high note. Oh, no. I actually no. thought you were going to mention It's a Very, Very Muppet Christmas, which was the no. favorite TV movie. I'm not going to mention See, that. See, I thought he was going for Santa that's Claus the movie. adaptation. Uh, I am not a fan. I thought he was going to say the Jim Carrey Grinch 
No. no. If he did, oh, I'm gone. I'm out. We are yeah. driving this thing into the ground. I'm saying, while we're at the bottom, might as well. We just... have talked. We have mentioned it's wonderful life, right? Yeah. 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 yeah we did. Uh, which honestly, I mean, I've, I've I've seen once, and it's one of those things that it's like, you know, I get it. It's an old movie. Eh. It's Jimmy Stewart. I love it. I do. It, do you? I love old movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm old. It's one that I've, I'm happy. To, <laughs> I'm happy to watch it after a year. I love It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, uh, yeah. My girlfriend, yeah. being Jewish, um, thought it was a movie about Jesus, so I tried to make her watch it last year. I was like, No, 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 no. She's like, Isn't that about angels? I was like, No, no. That's just the thing they, they mentioned. It's a the thing times. they say. That's yeah, it. it's it's not about angels. There's, an angel I mean, there's a guardian angel, but that's an not angel in it. It's, it's not about the Isn't that a Jesus yeah. movie. It's, it's a great story, but I like it more in. Theory than an execution. I, I, I don't know why. I just can't watch the movie. It's and it's it's me. It's <laughs> not you. It's me. <laughs> it's not you, Jimmy Stewart. Listen, well, I love the Muppet. I very very Jimmy Muppet Stewart. Christmas adaptation of it, where Skeeter is dancing in a cage with a pacifier in his mouth, um, and uh, Sam the Eagle is a thug because Kermit was never born. Not, uh... <laughs> wait, 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 what? Yeah, it's a very, very Muppet Christmas. Skeeter? All right, not to Skeeter, close... Scooter, not Scooter. Scooter is a cage uh, dancer? Yeah. Uh, to close this thing out... I'm so confused. <laughs> we are watching uh, Bruce Willis beat a very unattractive German man uh, who is not actually German, as most of the German terrorists are not. And he faced movie. off against Everett. Spoiler! Robert, Robert Duhon is putting on his headset. Yes. Uh, so we are still enjoying Die Hard, which is, uh, personally, I think, still the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Yeah. Snape is kicking ass. Uh, or, or at least the most watchable. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming to the Phantom Zone and enjoying wrestling and enjoying Christmas talk, which are two things that go hand in hand, obviously. <laughs> hey, we didn't mention Santa Claus. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Bringing the tone down. Hey, we yeah. didn't mention Fred Claus. Uh, Mike, oh, didn't that that was Mike Gordon, before we get any further down the sewer of bad Christmas movies, where can we find you online? You can find me, of course, at uh, ESO Podcast. I do the weekly uh, podcast for Earth Station One, as well as uh, semi-weekly for Earth Station Who. And, of course, I've got my own stuff going on at NewLegendMike.com. Sean Reed, Red Ranger, Reed Ranger, Sean Red. <laughs> That just gets confusing. What, what uh, so I, my personal Twitter is Torch Code Lab, T-O-R-C-H Code Lab. Uh, also going to put over the company that I work for. We have just released to beta our first Disney-related app that Ooh. helps you get, uh, helps you monitor and find open dinner reservations for some of the restaurants at Disney World. So if you want to check yes. that out, it is at mousedining.com. Um, we're still in beta. We're testing, but... Love the opportunity to put that over. Yeah, absolutely. Noel, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on dorkdroppings.com. Um, updated very sporadically, but I have a very, very large archive of uh, almost 20 years worth of content. Yeah, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, um, and actually a lot of the Christmas movies we talked about, there are views of and um, some very different takes and some of them. Maybe I wouldn't be so proud of the writing because it's 15 years old, but uh, <laughs> I'm still out there if you want to read it. Um, but you can also, I, I post sporadically on Twitter as well, Dork Droppings um, on Twitter. And, um, yeah, so that's where you can find me. I'm also very actively involved um, in a group called The Finest, which is a G.I. Joe costuming group. Uh, we're at thefinestcc.com, and uh, we do a lot of very cool charity stuff. So uh, check that out and 
contribute to some of our causes. It's always a good time. And Jason, can we find you online? Uh, just Jason Frazier on Twitter, Jason Frazier. And, and I'm sorry, I would like to say like I'm all part of this other stuff. Are you? Well, you need. To, I, 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 I. You need to write more stuff for the website. Your uh, that one post you did was very popular. And you're Fraser with a Z, right? Yes, not Fraser. A Frazier. much cooler Fraser, in my right. opinion. Right. If you have a Z in your name, you're automatically <laughs> cooler. Like if your name, like if your name was John. John, <laughs> you Zad Zanger. You're right. If I was a ranger, you'd be that Zio. much cooler. No, this just we just, we should stop. Uh, we should stop because Bruce Willis is just blowing people away now, and we're going to stop and watch the climax of Die Hard. Uh, thank you guys all for coming out, and uh, we will talk to you next week about Star Wars: The Force Awakens, where possibly some of these people will be returning to the Phantom Zone. What? There's a new Star Wars movie? What? What's no. Star Wars? Get out of town. I was going to go see Alvin and the Chipmunks. Stop it. That's not even funny. Truly, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, we had a great conversation. That was a lot of fun. And, and like I said, we, we barely scratched the surface of decades and decades of Hollywood Christmas films. But I think we nailed a pretty good portion, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed talking about them. So remember, if you are listening to this on Friday, December the 18th, you have time to get to Porterdale, Georgia on the 19th, tomorrow night, my dad's birthday, uh, coincidentally, and see my final performance in the final PCW show of 2015. You also have time to get to the Village Theater in Atlanta, Georgia and see the Puck and Puppet Show where I will be hosting games such as the Candy Cane Deep Throat, which I'm excited about. I mean, who's not going to enjoy that? So just make your holiday fun. Watch some good programs. You know, you can go to needlessthingssite.com and look at my Phantom Channel Christmas listings. Maybe that'll help you out. Definitely go there because that is the home of the Needless Things podcast, where five days a week, myself and the Needless Things regulars post interesting and original dorky content. Not always dorky, but, you know, pop culture, genre type stuff. And also, go to iTunes and Stitcher, where the Needless Things podcast exists and rate it, share it, let people know what you think of it, get our numbers higher, and uh, just spread the love. Take this opportunity in the holidays to give the gift of needless things. Because really, isn't that what it's all about, in a way, in kind of a sad way? Anyway, I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.